BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back. We're finally back. Uh, massive apologies for the uh, the hiatus. As uh, some of you may know, we've made the move over to Dubai and uh, a little bit challenging to get things uh up off the ground over here so that was why we've had a little bit of a delay um, but we've started rolling we've started recording some shows and uh, and yeah I think things are back on track so today's episode is uh, is with one of the first people that I met over here uh, he was the United Arab Emirates first ever Red Bull athlete he got signed in 2003 um, and so that makes 20 years of uh, being a Red Bull athlete over here. He's one of the probably the best ambassadors for two-wheeled motorsports in all of the United Arab Emirates. And he has uh, he's won a Baja World Championship. He's a big desert guy. Uh, he's competed in, I think, six Dakars now. Um, but I guess more than just an athlete, he's a guy that has really... He's really done a massive... Uh, job in cultivating the scene here um he runs the mx academy uh which teaches people how to ride and then he also has mx ride dubai which is a pretty incredible facility uh seven kilometer sand track uh like 30 minutes from the city in dubai and uh that's where i've been doing a bit of riding and yeah it's just he's just a he's one of those kind of guys that just really makes makes it happen so I uh, I really wanted Muhammad to be the uh, the first guest on the Gypsy Tales podcast. Uh, now that we are based out of Dubai, um, and this was a really really cool podcast. He's just lived a crazy life, and um, we talk about it a bunch in there. But the UAE is only fifty years old, um, and I mean, so yeah, it's like six years older than than Belushi. So. Um, he's seen a really massive change. He's seen the whole change really here in Dubai. Um, so yeah, it was just a, just a super cool podcast and I'm really glad that this was the first one. We've got a couple more banked up, so make sure you head over to the membership website, gypsytales.com, uh, where you will hear these podcasts before they are released on our public feed. Before we get into this podcast though, just a quick message from our sponsors, and our first sponsor today are the guys and girls at Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. And look, it's just the first thing that I do. I wake up in the morning, I have my AG1, you have it with about 12 ounces of water. Uh, and then I can kind of start my day, I'll make my coffee. Uh, and it is just a way for me to really 
kind of cover all of my nutritional bases and realistically it is pound for pound second for second probably the healthiest thing that you can do for your body in under one minute I actually reached out to the team at Athletic Greens. I'd been taking them for a, a really long time while I was in the US, uh, but when I moved back home, I guess I kind of just fell off the wagon. Uh, and in 2023, we're racing World Vets at the end of the year, um, and we just got a bunch of stuff coming up. I kind of just felt like I'd let my health slip a little bit. Uh, and I just remembered how good I felt when I was on AG1 in the past. And particularly the biggest thing that I noticed was my gut health my digestion just felt a lot better and I also felt like my skin and my hair was better as well when I was doing it and look guys I'm not getting any younger so it really feels like kind of it's now or never you know we're all short on time these days uh, and I think that's where AG1 just really comes into its own you're getting a massive hit of all of the vitamins and minerals that you need and it's simply just one scoop, some water, and you're done. Uh, and it's, it, it's not only myself that has been getting the benefits from AG1. Since we started advertising for these guys on the podcast, I've been getting a bunch of messages from the Gypsy Gang that have uh, put themselves first as well. They order some Athletic Greens, and I've been getting some really good feedback. So shout out to all of the Gypsy Gang that uh, I guess took my advice and are feeling better for it. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. That is athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. We're also brought to you by the team at Manscaped. And look, takes a village sometimes to keep your nether regions in check. Uh, and that's why you should join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. And with our exclusive offer, you can go to manscaped.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 20% off plus free shipping. The headliner in this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. The trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It even has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your heart desires. And did I mention it's waterproof too? We've all had the little shaving mishap and then gone riding straight afterwards and it is just a complete recipe for disaster. And the Lawnmower 4.0 pretty much eradicates that problem. The package also includes the weed whacker nose, ear, and hair trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts, their shed travel bag and their anti-chafing boxer briefs to help keep your boys stored comfortably. No platinum package is complete without the ultimate hygiene bundle to get you fresh from head to toe. This bundle includes Manscaped's premium body wash, two-in-one shampoo, body and ball deodorant, and much more. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. We're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. And if you're like me and you just got a freshie for the 2023 season, uh, then you really need to keep that bad boy protected 
A sticky kit from the guys at Rival Inc. is not only going to protect your new investment, uh, but it's also going to customize it to your liking. Obviously, I'll be running the 45, the big gypsy tails on the side, um, but you can either choose their pre-designed graphics, uh, which of course you can customize yourself, or you can get weird, you can get wild like Sammy does, uh, and you can just go the full hog uh, with custom design kits from the guys at Rival Ink Design Co. Uh, they do your jerseys, they do pretty much everything sticker related, and they're also running some pretty dope merch at the moment. So rivalinkdesignco.com. We're also brought to you guys by the guys and girls at Fist Handwear. You can head to fisthandwear.com. Uh, use the code GYPSYGANG. That is going to get you 15% off. That link's going to get you 15% off at Rival as well. Uh, and we're also brought to you by the guys at Dixon Quality. I've been running the uh, the Slipknot uh, collab that they did flat out. Also, the Doing 2 is available. Uh, so make sure you head to dixonquality.com.au. As well as that, we are brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz. You can head to crushoz.com for premium bike care. And I mean premium bike care. Uh, whether that is their foaming rapid wash, their platinum chain lube, premium bike wash, uh, or their luminate waterless wash for your mountain bike, or their ultimate uh, drivetrain degreaser, guys at Crush Oz have you covered. Uh, if you don't really know what direction to go in, I would suggest just getting their bike care bucket. Uh, I think in all the years that I've been doing stuff with the guys at Crush, I've only ever gone through three of those buckets. So they'll last you a long time. They come with the brush. They come with like the chain deal. Uh, that is pretty much a one-stop shop. As well as those guys, we're also brought to you by the team at tropical auto group the guys in rocky that hooked us up with the dope d-max uh absolutely love that car kyle is a bona fide legend member of the gypsy gang uh and if you give him a call uh you are going to get a pretty sweet deal on a new or used vehicle they do isuzu uh they do ford pretty much if you're looking for a new or used vehicle uh give kyle a shout before you go anywhere else uh and he'll get you looked after we don't have our own studio over here just yet, so this podcast was actually recorded out of the cafe upstairs at Touratech here in Dubai, so massive thanks to those guys for uh, helping us out with a pretty epic location and some really great coffee as well. That's it from me and the ads. Once again, I'm really sorry for the uh, little bit of a delay, but we plan on pumping these bad boys back out. Uh, we've got some really cool ones coming up. Thank you, guys. Muhammad Al-Balushi joins us on Gypsy Tales for the very first UAE podcast here in Dubai, mate. So thanks very much. I've been excited to uh, do this one with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, I told you, I don't know if I'm worthy of this uh, interview, but uh, let's see how it goes. No, you are 100% <laughs> worthy of this interview. Uh, I feel like there's a bunch of different, well, there's a bunch of things that I want to know about, I guess, like the area, two-wheeled riding in the area. Um, obviously, you've had so much to do with it with the MX ride. You were one of the first Dakar athletes from the UAE on two wheels. So I feel like you're the perfect man to give me an education on, uh, on how riding in, uh, in, in the UAE is kind of 
gone down and I'm sure just the not even just from the the riding standpoint but just like the UAE in general I mean you were born here yeah so it's like you you've seen some crazy change over the years uh, yeah it's been uh, like growing up in UAE Dubai is I think is special yeah and it makes you also uh, different than the uh, rest of the Arab uh, world in a way you you have to progress with the progress you know like mm. you have to learn and what what helped us is like uh, Dubai is like multi-culture uh, nation um, and then yeah we, with a lot of expat living here and and desert being our background of course uh, also it helps to be a motorhead you know um, but yeah for me as a kid I remember we didn't have many roads or many cars that what we see today all we had is desert and uh, yeah this is during my lifetime and and I believe I'm not that old. I'm old, but <laughs> yeah. not that old. Yeah. No, I mean, you're still, yeah, still young. <laughs> so, is, uh, yeah, Dubai uh, progressed a lot. And for us, um, is, I'm happy and proud to be UAE national. So, what's your first earliest memories of, of the UAE? What was it like? Because everyone now... I mean, even I was just having a conversation on Instagram before um, and the, the guy, there's like a guest in America that I'm trying to get yeah. on the podcast and he's mm. like, oh, wait, you live in Dubai? Yeah. And I, he's like, well, are you rich? You got a Rolls Royce? <laughs> and I'm like, everyone's got yeah. this, uh, I guess, idea of Dubai now. Yeah. But I don't think people understand that. I mean, 30 years ago, like there, nothing was here yeah. in a sense. For me, I remember, yeah, like I said, not many roads. I remember when uh, I was a kid, having a drive with my dad uh, to my grandma's house. I still remember these roads and there weren't many. And uh, yeah, it was like uh, leaving our desert house from one area to going to, to my grandma's house, which is next to the sea. And uh, yeah, it is not, uh, no, not many malls. There was uh, maybe one mall w- which was uh, just started. Uh, it's called Al Ghurair Mall. Like out of all of the, now, I don't know how many are they. It's I crazy, don't know, huh? hundreds. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> so yeah, it it grew quite fast uh, for us, and uh, yeah, you need to adapt. And also the mixing mixing uh, the cultures is is always interesting, and then respecting others, and they have to respect us, and that's you know the boundary there is always there that's always there but uh, yeah as long as we respect each other we can coexist I think that's one of I think the things that people might not expect coming here is like how multicultural it is but also just the level of like courtesy and the the niceness of people Mm -hmm. I mean when I first came here last year that was one of the things I was I'd never been to the Middle East in general. And I think especially as a Westerner, you kind of have certain ideas about the Middle East. And then you get here and it's just like the nicest people uh, ever. And then even my brother, he was just here. He came for Abu Dhabi Challenge. And he's like, dude, I can't believe how nice everybody is. And I mean, it it shouldn't be a surprise, but I think it is to a lot of people that there is such a, a niceness in the culture. I think it has to do with a lot... Uh, of uh, upbringing you know uh, my father and my grandparents they struggled in life you know uh, f- 
from having nothing and working hard labor and uh, in and then having all of this yeah so you cannot don't lose that uh, your recent past and how you grew up and that helps you to be nice because when you have nothing going in life you have to be nice to mm. to to coexist you know to to appreciate to have some sort of uh, sense towards life and uh, so i think that's why people in uae are really friendly and nice and welcoming because i think uh, everybody can relate to what the i struggle. just told yeah, yeah the struggle yeah so when mm, uh, like in 60s the oil came out and then boom the yeah. country started changing and uh, you know people don't change yeah. you know you can change things you can build things around but your, your, your core of you is still same you yeah. know you you are that guy who struggled not long ago yeah that's such a good way to put it and i think that when you have nothing materially yeah what you have is family yeah and friendship exactly and then i think that the desert before all of this before yeah. the big malls before the freeways before yeah. you know all of the i guess wealth came here yeah there was like a, it's hard to live in the desert and it's one of the things i mean when i go out and ride at, at mx ride it, it gives you such an appreciation of how of how tough it must have been mm. for just arabic people in mm. general to to just survive to get to the 1960s yeah. like yeah. that that to me seems crazy yeah 100 percent is uh yeah can you imagine traveling from dubai to to abu dhabi one hour you know, yeah <laughs> now it's like boom <laughs> yeah. one hour but back in the days uh i i heard the stories like they used to walk yeah you know and this is not long time ago it's like a late 50s 60s you know like and this must have been a difficult one uh from the stories i heard that they like a couple of houses will have one car like and then they kind of use the car together to commute yeah you know it's, it's not easy um and selling water or on on cam uh, on camels on donkeys yeah you know uh going around in the neighborhood selling water so basic needs like water yeah many neighborhoods didn't have so say to go from that to this is like blessing from skies yeah yeah and i think that it's that basic need for survival that yeah. humbles people yeah. and i think that that's one of the that's one of the themes i think that you kind of get with local people that you meet here is people are just extremely humble and i'd say yeah. that it comes from that background like you said 100% 100% so what was your first memories of riding like how did we go from from <laughs> <laughs> you living that that uh very humble background and you know not many roads and to being at the dakar <laughs> <laughs> yeah for me it uh, started as a passion uh, i always wanted to do it when i was a kid i remember every time we were traveling uh, on the weekend from our house to my grandma's house i would sit in the back of uh, my father's car and we will pass one of the uh, dealers uh bike dealers yeah. on the way and they would display the mini bikes yeah. on the window and i would have a daydream man i w i don't understand how it started yeah but i was very young and i was like man i want i would bother my dad 
hey when you gonna buy me you know a dirt bike i want one there, look there is one every weekend and then he will play along he'll ask me yeah so what are you gonna do i say i'm gonna ride on, uh, on the streets i'm gonna do wheelies and <laughs> he say yeah but the police will catch you i say no nobody will catch you <laughs> so he'll play with me you know like um, with my age and he would talk you know like this um, how old do you think you would have been around this time maybe six okay. like this yeah, yeah. and uh, so finally uh, he took me to the dealership and then we saw a mini bike and uh, the the salesman uh, now when i think about it he was not a good salesman he <laughs> said to my dad yeah your son is too little for this bike uh, maybe in a few years so i didn't get the bike and then i remember and uh, a couple of years after that I, but i kept bo- bothering him one way bugging him um he said okay your next birthday i'm gonna buy you one and i was i believe nine going into ten and i was waiting for my birthday and then my father passed away week before my birthday so i never got my dirt bike so it stayed with me and uh, somehow i grew out of it i was very good uh, soccer player i was doing martial arts i never thought what martial arts did you do I did uh, in America. I was studying in America. I did uh, red. It's called Red Dragon uh, Karate. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, you know the stuntman from Batman, uh, Chris Casamasa. I think his nah, last name. Nah. Yeah, yeah. He he was our instructor. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In <laughs> That's LA. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, going from Dubai to uh, America. I never knew that you did that. Actually. Yeah, I did that uh, two years. I did that two years. I went uh, all the way, all the way to Brown Belt. Yeah, right. Yeah, two years. You don't have much to do, you yeah. know. So I was doing a lot of weights and a lot of uh, martial arts. Did you ever ride when you're in California? No. I. The thing is, back to our first question. From that time, when uh, from the time of my father's passing all the way up to 19 i never did it oh, i never wow. had i could not afford it and then i got caught up between a lot of activities and then uh, uh, study and then when i was living in, uh, in america our complex had a few families with dirt bikes and i was like you know i you don't know it just never left you yeah it's like i i would look at it yeah it's nice but i was caught up i was yeah, teenager yeah. i was like yeah. i was living a dream you know like an arab guy from dubai in 96 7 uh, living in america by himself as a teenager is not uh, is not uh, normal you know yeah, and yeah. Uh, for me i enjoyed that and um, somehow I never got to dirt bikes only when i came back um, so for my first memories I would say 1999 to I bought my where I could uh, uh, buy my first dirt bike and I did and man I and I did it just to get it out of my system yeah, you know yeah, because yeah, it, yeah. it has to always do there. yeah and yeah. it has to do something um, like a memory with my dad and yeah. so I thought okay we had a spring break I say oh, I'll buy it for I will ride it for two weeks and then it's out of my system now 22 years in <laughs> that's crazy yeah, yeah yeah 
So yeah, it is my first memory when I was 19, I believe, 18, 19. Man, that's such a wild start. Do you ever think about how different life could have been if you got the bike at nine? Man, uh, I could only imagine. I think uh, with me doing it uh, so late, there's there are many disadvantages, but also you never know, yeah. you know? Uh, maybe everything, the cards played yeah, for right, the, the right way. The right way. But of course, um, you can only go further the more time and experience you have on the bike. And uh, for me, I struggled from the get-go when I was 19. I was in the in the region. I was racing with guys uh, who started like four or five. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and then now they are my age, but they have like 15 years of experience. Yeah, you understand. So this was a uh, difficult. So I had to double. Uh, my time on the bike and basically play catch up and which I did and yeah I never thought in uh, in million years that I will get uh, like uh, picked by Red Bull for example yeah. so you were the first yeah. athlete in the UAE for Red Bull yeah yeah in 2003 I signed uh, 2002 th 2003 so I made it 20 years this year with yeah Red Bull. yeah wow yeah and uh Yeah, I, I made a big progress in three to four years, you know, and that's with all the injuries came with it. So I, I doubled down the time and what helps, what helped me is like my background with the football, with the martial arts, with the So you were athletic and you yeah, had that and mindset. Yeah, and I, I heard this quote many times from all the instructors yeah, you need to have 10,000 hours in order mm. to be... I never understood it. You know, like a kid, you, you hear this. Yeah, yeah. You hear it from one ear, it But goes yeah. out of the other. But when it came to uh, dirt bikes, I knew this was the gap, and immediately I applied yeah. this, you know? Somehow it stored the subconsciously. So I was like, okay, so it, it just no, no rocket science. I just need to put in time, and I did. Well, that's the cool thing about here yeah. is that you can put in as much time as you've <laughs> yeah. got fuel, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah for me, uh, so um, up until uh, like first 10 years of my career, desert started from my house. Like I opened the gates, the desert started. And now there are many highways anyways. There. So the first 10 years, I was blessed like i would not have a wasted time mm. like i wake up i'm on my bike so there's no travel time yeah like uh, 40 minutes going 40 minutes no, no travel time so there there weren't any excuses yeah so for me i wake up boom, you didn't have go. to rely on anybody but no yourself. no nothing no, i had a jerry can at home fill the bike boom go you know and then when i was also because before being uh Red Bull athlete or picked up by many sponsors um, I still had to work and uh, this is from 99 till 2002 three season so I, w I would put in my motos before going to work or immediately and sometimes both yeah, before yeah. and immediately after and then this is how I made uh, the progress so what kind of riding were you doing like did you just go and make a track and you had like the same desert track that you rode was it like motocross what was yeah. your 
in the beginning uh, because I started as a Baja rider I would just do a straight uh, line uh, like uh, from point A to B and back you know uh, because I was racing Baja desert races and uh, then I remember there was a year that the federation stopped the racing and I was addicted to racing now I, I liked the whole atmosphere the butterfly you get in the morning yeah. and you know then they told me there's a motocross uh, so I went and I watched I said okay I wanna I wanna do motocross man I didn't know how to corner <laughs> 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 I didn't know how to corner <laughs> I, I felt like okay I put in so many hours but just going straight you know as soon as I had to turn <laughs> <laughs> that's so good <laughs> I, could, I could not corner I was like, what is this now? Uh, <laughs> so I had to learn motocross, you know, like you have to kind of... You have to break. Break, yeah. You, you have to hit your marks. Yeah. Like in the desert, no, you just go. And yeah. then if you are a little bit long, you are a little bit long. You, yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> you just need a good lower back. And uh, yeah, so I had to learn that. And and uh, that took, uh, took a minute. And uh, yeah, but I'm glad... Uh, you know that they stopped the series and that gave me the chance to understand man i'm lacking a lot and then i started getting uh cassettes yeah. uh, at that time watching the ama and uh, uh, side by side or bar to bar and yeah, oh yeah, man yeah, 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 and yeah. these are, i think these are the, the 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 best years of in my opinion of motocross during uh, carmichael uh, yeah. i learned a lot and and I was I would watch and pause and rewind and watch how everybody is riding and you know try to get uh, I would wait uh, I would see the interviews and maybe there are some because you like know when you are tips in yeah because when you are I know I can relate because when you are when you win or you do well you kind of let go you kind of yeah, give yeah. away some yeah. secrets as well because you're caught in the moment so I would note down all of this uh, info and try to apply you know and that's uh, really it helped me because at that time they weren't youtube so yeah you know so it's difficult to get information so i uh, this is how i did it basically yeah it's such a, a cool like is you essentially just took this on as just like your life's project yeah is uh you know uh, my family uh, in the beginning were against me because it was completely different uh, path than all my um, other fellow Emirati guys who's like doing normal job from 8 to 3 or to 5 for example and they had a career with either engineer or pilot or or police officers like a normal job normal job yeah, yeah. and then here am I and trying to pursue my dream and passion and and way late starter you know like the odds is against me like oh, massively. massively and I, I don't 19, know man. I don't know uh, you know I think y you hear this a lot that uh, passion drives you hard work uh, perseverance all of this big words but you never think about it a lot 
until you just crying and going day in and day out mm. and yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah and it's easy you see now a lot of influencers they use these big words and and them themselves they don't do it and i think the for me it was all of these words yeah. i just because there was this uh, dream that i would chase that feeling yeah. of that ride uh, you know like it doesn't matter what you achieve uh, the feeling you get after a riding is the satisfaction yeah. uh, you know like the peace within and this what i was always and still i am behind you know and uh, that helped a lot with my progress and then of course uh, in during that time where i was picked by red bull um i got uh, to know giorgio bay who was five time world champion motocross world champion and and then he basically took me under his wing i went and lived with him in uh, belgium oh, i learned yeah. a lot more there racing in france in belgium and yeah i remember he when he came to visit he, he was investing some in the upcoming project at that time and then uh, a friend of mine told me hey there is this guy uh, there is Giorgio Bay coming and uh, he wants to have a desert ride and you are the guy you know who else can oh so take? like he w- someone to take him out into yeah the in the desert yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. I didn't know who was Giorgio Bay because he stopped before I, he retired in 94 yeah okay and then uh, for me I was like okay Uh, I didn't know I thought he's a friend of friend so yeah. I, okay let's go so we went uh, right to the right and he was um, at that time maybe my age now but I saw him as an old man you know yeah, I don't yeah. know why <laughs> <laughs> now this is funny <laughs> yeah. uh, so I went and every time I look behind he's he's on me I was like, man, this old guy can ride. Who is this dude? So we reached. Uh, so in the way back, I felt like I'm holding this guy. Yeah. I say, okay, this is our direction. I follow you now. He said, no, 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 you ride. I, I don't know desert. You ride. So we went and shook hand. Uh, yeah, good ride, good ride. I never heard of him. I mean, I never see him again. Then after that, for let's say a month. I get a phone call from my friend Graham Hill who set up this uh, uh, meeting with the guy and then he told me hey um, Giorgio Bay wants to meet you I said who's Giorgio Bay <laughs> I totally forgot about the dude he said guy uh, he said he's telling me you don't know who's Giorgio Bay I said and then I remember I said yeah oh yeah I remember the guy who we took out He said, no, but you don't know of him? I said, who is he? He said, he's five-time world champion and all. You know, he gave me his CV, basically. Yeah, like yeah. Four-time uh, runner-up, five-time world champion. I said, but why he wants to meet me? Yeah, he, he has some ideas. So I met him. He said, yeah, he has this program. He thinks I got what it takes and he wants me to go and he will take me under his wings, basically. Man, at this time... I had nothing to lose. I was so invested in this yeah. sport. I was like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. So I go and then he realized I could not corner. <laughs> When we went to to uh, oh. Belgium. So first I'm, I'm riding. Uh, He's like, is this the same guy? Yeah, he went like this and he got all, <laughs> all his 
famous uh, uh, famous writer during his era and then he was like when I passed he was like this oh. <laughs> he was like covering his face and he said hey what you doing he said man I don't know how to ride motocross <laughs> <laughs> he said how someone can be so good in the desert I'm so bad in motocross <laughs> I said this is me oh. so I, then he forced me to learn and he taught me a lot with the you know to control all the controls on the bike and learn how to ride so you just would this was you you'd go first second third fifth. fourth fifth yeah yeah <laughs> no, no clutch yeah, no yeah. brakes and then just going straight oh. yeah I'm that guy from drop off to drop off hit you know like this and because yeah. there's such a so that might sound simple to, yeah. to somebody that has yeah. never been out in the desert but yeah. I feel like the desert <laughs> is kind of like the ocean it's the same as being a surfer exactly. in that a good surfer doesn't just know how to paddle and stand up because yeah. that's basically what surfing is right yeah. you if you want to explain first principles of surfing yeah. you see a wave you paddle yeah. you stand up yeah it's that easy yeah. and what you're describing is like first second third fourth fifth yeah. hold it wide open it's that easy <laughs> yeah. but it's the same as surfing where yeah. you can only be mm. a good surfer if you can read the ocean and you yeah. know the the waves mm. and different sunlight yeah. like the nuances that you would have to understand to just go fast in the desert yeah. is like there's as many variables in that as there is in cornering and motocross yeah 100% and there was no first for me until I met Giorgio Bay by the way well, <laughs> he said uh, you, this corner why are you struggling this corner I said I don't know well, I I'm cannot. in fifth gear <laughs> <laughs> usually I will break uh, third or fourth I never broke second and third never so uh, he said he told me one, he had a track in his uh, backyard in Belgium and he said why are you struggling here and he wants me to analyze he wants me to find like troubleshoot the problem yeah, yeah. I'm not that good <laughs> so I say yeah I don't uh, know the corner is slipping I'm making all the excuses but like yeah, nothing yeah, wrong with yeah. me he said uh, what gear are you turning he knows the problem mm. I say I think I'm third or uh, maybe second he said no you're not second you're third I said should I be second he said no you should be first this corner hey I never th <laughs> I always thought why there is a first game <laughs> because I would start always second, second yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah believe me oh. most of the rider in UAE or in the Arab world can relate because we ride only Baja races yeah you know so yeah second and off you go that's that so time. funny. Yeah. And so, how did it get better? What was that progress yeah, just, like? Yeah, just a lot of drills, a lot of uh, cornering, a lot of figure eights, a lot of oval drills, a lot of many hours of this. And uh, still, I I struggled, but so I understood, you know, to 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 be good, uh, you need to master all the controls on the bike, and not only being good in in reading desert and going straight. So I was good at this, you know, and. Uh, so this came hand in hand you know it, it's like uh, motocross is like uh, karting for formula one yeah 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 you know yeah. so it's important to have a solid uh, foundation as a motocross 
and then you can apply it either you go to enduro extreme enduro supercross uh, baja cross country you can apply what yeah you learn. yeah yeah so this i understood and so i guess like man it must have been so humbling to just oh, yeah, get yeah, there yeah. and even to go there knowing that you couldn't ride <laughs> motocross like that yeah. that must have been pretty daunting yeah for me yes i remember my first meal after the ride I, my head was down and he was laughing <laughs> he was very hard the uh, coach uh, god bless his soul um, he was very hard coach but he would always uh, laugh when you're completely kind of given up yeah like you are ruined <laughs> he would laugh and, uh. and that would uh, kind of piss you off and but it will bring it's a good motivator huh? yeah if you're the, if you're the right person that can handle yeah, it yeah 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 he was that he knew how to push yeah. my buttons and then i was like okay let's go you know the following day i would finish two jerrycans of 20 liters oh, you wow. know like hours 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 on the bike and and then he will punish me he say okay now you need to wash you know belgium is always muddy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i would wash my bike Dude, his he, bike even washing bikes would have been a a, oh, a random thing to you because like you don't have to wash anything here. he had to tell me day one how what goes where and how the procedure goes like the steps and then I had to follow, and then from that day I was the wash guy, <laughs> washing Dude, guy. Yeah, you've had the coolest career. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, doing it the way that you've done it is yeah. probably more rewarding than doing it like the tra- traditional way. Because man, what a crazy roller coaster that you've had I'm, to go through. Man, I tell you. Uh, but really, if it wasn't for him, uh, a lot of doors would not open. Yeah, you know, for me and. Uh, he knew at that time I will not make it in motocross, even though now I got addicted to motocross yeah. because I started getting better and better. But he knew there's a dead end, you know? And he told me, hey man, you need to focus when time comes on the desert racing. And then in, uh, in 2011, he told me to, to go to Dakar for 2012 so i did a lot of uh, international races like abu dhabi there's a challenge that year so i did a lot of races at that time in order to qualify for D- dakar but during 2012 he got uh, diagnosed with uh, leukemia and mm. i was mentally a mess because he's taking care of me he nine. was almost like a father he figure. was yeah. he was because i lost my father when i was nine uh, and then Giorgio Bay appeared when I was very young, like uh, 20, I would say 22. Yeah. And he basically, I did everything what he told me, you know, how to train, how much to train, what to eat, uh, what races to do, you know, how to behave. Uh, he, he taught me how to become a, a man. Yeah, and a professional yeah. to deal with the sponsors and yeah. all of this and uh, yeah and he was one of the guys who was always fighting for like riders pay yeah i remember to his last days and uh, and he told me never settle for something less than what you deserve you know he gave me that self-value unfortunately now you see a lot of riders Mm. they will ride uh, for a ride you know 
like they will put their life through the on the line yeah. just for a factory ride or just for a bike and um, and that's damaging the sport in my opinion because if you're lowering down the bar yeah then you know the, how you how we gonna put our sport in a spotlight where what where it it deserves needs to, to it be, deserves to be yeah, you know yeah. and he always told me hey you always get what you deserve remember this and then always in the meeting when i would negotiate with the with the sponsors it this uh, helped me a lot you know and uh, so basically back to 2012 when he was uh that year he was struggling with uh, leukemia i was morally really down because this time of he was very strong individual and for me it was uh difficult year because i could not ask the guy mm. who's fighting for his life hey what to do yeah, hey, what, yeah. and i was and for me the um the escape was food <laughs> you know i uh, i gained a lot of weight and in the the, the very uh, next season he passed away or end of that year and uh for me i thought okay i'll i'll stop racing and basically started the academy so they were um i had an idea to start a school because yeah. i didn't know what to do so nobody teaches you okay how to save money yeah. when you're making good money you know uh, through the sponsor so i was living what i got if i got a uh, x amount or in my contract i will live to that lifestyle yeah you yeah, know yeah. so now i'm almost uh, down and i didn't know what to do so friends uh, they told me hey you why you don't start coaching uh, because i was helping guys and stuff so i started uh, me and my good friend uh, chris mockley we started the uh, mx academy in dubai and yeah it took off for me it was just something to rely on like a yeah cuz i had no plans no plan b it was just to make it through racing so i was started coaching people and i wasn't doing so well uh, you know mentally still but by coaching people i came out of that uh, mm. bad phase because i would talk like him i would use uh, his theory and in, in explaining things so i would hear him Mm. by me saying yeah 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 coaching others yeah. and it it uplifted me and then and there's something about helping people too yeah like i mm-hmm. i i get a lot of joy from like even you know to go ride with like basil uh, like yeah. it's like a couple clicks on suspension yeah. i'm not the best yeah. rider in the world but i love that yeah. feeling of like watching someone progress and it's the same with jiu-jitsu like yeah. i love being able to coach people it's such a there is such a, a feeling of fulfillment that that comes from there sometimes it feels selfish but the yeah. other person's getting help as well yeah. so yeah, yeah. it's kind of a win-win but i could see how that could bring you out of like a, a more negative time yeah this definitely helping people uh, helped me a lot you know and uh, so yeah the academy took off and uh, we started doing really well with numbers and also for me it was also to give back and also the struggles that i had uh, growing up or in the sport when i started there was no schools nobody yeah, yeah. to to coach you or teach you 
until Giorgio Bay came. Then I understood how t- it's been done. So for me, I felt like uh, it is my responsibility to bring awareness in the region, not only in Dubai. So I started a school and clinic, uh, uh, school and clinic uh, uh, in Saudi Arabia, in uh, in Qatar, uh, Bahrain, Jordan, Lebanon, well. Malaysia, um, Sri Lanka, Mauritania, Egypt. So I went around uh, just coaching, and that helped me a lot. Uh, so this year I was super busy with this, trying to understand what I have, like the brand MX uh, MX Academy, and I was like, okay, let me see where it takes me, you know. And I was so passionate. I saw, like, like you say, when you help somebody, you see them getting the benefit, and when they, for me, when when they um, can apply what they learn and they achieve something, you feel yeah, part yeah, of that success, yeah, you yeah. know. Now, regardless if it is in a race or uh, it is during that training session, if they yeah. can jump something that they weren't jumping or they yeah, can yeah. take some corner where they're n- they weren't doing it right. So for me, that was, yeah, a big, uh, big uh, reward. So I kept at it. And then 2013, a friend of mine started like sporting agency and he told me, man, he wants me to race uh, cross country for him. Yeah. I said, man, I'm not fit. Really, I was not fit. Were you fit. still overweight at this yeah, time? I was over, yeah, I was a foodie one way. I was training. How much do you reckon you weighed at your heaviest? 86. Okay, that's pretty thick. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like 73, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like a um, 73 guy. So I was like 12, 13 yeah, kgs yeah. overweight. But I, I would still rip on the bike. I was Bit okay. Bit extra traction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I say, yeah, but um, Mahar Bedri, he told me, uh, yeah, I started this sporting agency called Sports2. I want you to race the the first round of the cross-country world championship in Abu Dhabi. I said, man, I'm not ready. He said, no, no, no. I say, okay, when is it? He said, in two weeks. I said, what? <laughs> He said, no pressure. Hey, from the time, I did not say yes, but from the time I hanged the phone, hanged straight up the, the phone. Straight for a run. <laughs> yeah, straight for the run. Started running every day, and then I was like, yeah, I, I, I will not lose 13 Ks for sure. Uh, KGs, for sure not. I'm not losing that, but at least my breathing will be a little bit better. So I said, no pressure. No. He said, yeah, just finish. Start and finish. So I did. Because at this point, you're an ambassador for the region. Like yeah. people know who you are. Yeah. And you've bought, you, like you're a big part of motorcycles yeah. in the UAE by this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, I wanted to you're do... You're a competitor. Yeah, I'm yeah. a competitor. I wanted to do good. And uh, I finished, I believe, like six. And I surprised myself. I surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I beat a few factory riders as well. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I got this. Uh, of course it it helped it was in my home country uh, in the dunes and uh, you know of course if i was in shape i would have done even better but, but that was enough to motivate you yeah and, and then i was like back bit. on the track and 
yeah never looked back yeah kept on grinding and everything was going parallelly uh, so well and in 2020 I started the uh, MX ride so everything still Tetchwood is going on well still racing I, I don't know if you ask Mahdi um, Blushi in 2012 you'll be racing Dakar in 2022 uh, yeah. no ways I was out f in 12 finish yeah. you yeah. know I had the best opportunity where you can buy a seat with the factory so I was 2012 Giorgio B arranged the whole thing so I was with the factory KTM where we we bought a seat basically you you, you buy your ride yeah, like in the yeah, formula one yeah and, and that they don't do it for anybody yeah you yeah, know you like yeah. you have to be you're essentially they're signing you but you've got to bring money to yeah cover some of so expenses. I did that yeah. I was part of the factory I did the testing and then I did the race and again the uh, Alex Doringer at that time was the team manager he told yeah, me just yeah. to finish yeah and I because I was a mess in the head and I blew it when we reach uh, Chile I had a big crash broke uh, my hand my my shoulders Yeah, and then you, you get one chance, kind of, yeah, you know? So for yeah. me, it was over. And Giorgio Bay passing away, and I was like, okay, my career is done. My good days are behind me. So from there to now, still racing, and still people wants to uh, sign up and want me to do the racing and put their logos. is a, still living a dream. Well, I, I think it's a testament to your character, though. Like, I think that, that people... There's definitely, uh, there's people that they get, keep getting rides and they keep getting drives because of performance and because mm -hmm. they're always in the running to win the race. But then there's people like yourself that will always have people signing up as long as you want to do it because of like yeah. the way that you represent yeah. and the, you know, the way that you carry yourself through that. And it's so underrated in, yeah. in a lot of, I guess, maybe people don't place as much importance on that. They think it's just about the... The results but i mean there's definitely something to being such a good ambassador and like yeah. carrying yourself a certain way that i think will always keep people wanting to go as long as you'd want to go you know yeah i would like to think that yes uh, but also the competitive in me wants to do well and you know our sport is super dangerous you know mm. especially when it comes to uh, cross-country rally and dakar is super dangerous the crashes happen on high speed and without warning yeah it's and you see every year either you know close friends crashing mm. and having a close calls or some of them pass away and it's so difficult to like keep that uh, motivation and because everything has to do with self-confidence mm. you know riding is basically the easy part yeah and you need to be on the bike confident yeah so for me um you know from 13 until 18 was my best i would say from 18 till now i'm so hesitant on the bike uh i is the confidence is not there and is a lot of uh, hesitancy yeah, yeah. and it's like ooh, you know and you don't know what what's coming and and these things i was good at you know 
back in the 13 to 18 you were yeah and i was like i liked when you don't know what's coming and yeah, kind of yeah. you ride your way yeah. out of it until i could not in 2018 and i had a big crash and from that time i'm so hesitant and i don't want to quit mm. i want to get out of this you know now if i hang my boots is like yeah you're going out mm. when you are down yeah i yeah, want yeah. you want to get that feeling back feeling bad and then maybe hang my boots now it's been four years uh still not i don't know is is is, is it to do with age probably but i would like like small part of me is like no you will get it mm. you'll get it because i think it's it okay the 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 coach in me or the teacher in me would say it is only in the eyes because a lot it is in the eyes so because now i'm so tense i think when i'm mm. going through this i'm not looking at the right place where i'm supposed to look where it used to come to me naturally to I just would look ahead it's not yeah it is as easy as sounds as saying look ahead but where to look ahead yeah, you know yeah. to spot you know not being in constant uh, surprise stage oh yeah, uh, yeah something yeah. coming oh nothing is there yeah. you think there's a drop off nothing is there you think it's cut dune is nothing there and then you commit boom there is a big drop off and then it hurts the confidence even more yeah so this was coming to me naturally because of many bad uh, big injuries uh this is gone so i've been trying i've been trying and uh, i don't know hopefully soon yeah because it is uh i mean i've because i've been riding out at mx ride and it's so different to me yeah. and i've just found myself staring at my mudguard <laughs> you know the whole time that i'm yeah. riding and at yeah. home you're right like you can lift your vision a little yeah. bit more and it's like a it's like if you're driving a car yeah. on the freeway and you look just in front of the yeah. the hood of your car yeah. then it's going to feel like you're doing a million miles an hour yeah. but if you look up and look all the way out you're going to you're giving yourself so much time to to react so it it makes it makes total sense yeah it's like uh, you say if you're looking while driving so close the guy in front of you will break you will break yeah, yeah. like this but if you look four or five cars ahead you know the braking is coming so you kind of slow down instead of being yeah yeah, yeah you don't I even have to hit the brakes yeah, yeah, yeah you make a lot of sense in that way so what was the crash in 2018 in 2018 it was in Abu Dhabi a challenge um i remember uh, riding with Toby oh, and is you know that'll Toby. Get you. oh man for me <laughs> it was so nice this year was the best year I, I i did good a few stages before i met him uh, stage one and just going behind him and man he was like on it like drop of drop i i went uh, day one behind him he came be uh past me from behind and and kept on going so i was like okay let me latch on and I did, and then one drop of two drop of three drop. I was like, okay, until when? My back cannot take it. So I let him. I say, okay, I cannot hang with him. And he was gone. I think he won that stage. And then I think he had a bad stage the following day or something where he had to start again behind me. We were day three or four, if I remember. 
So he came, he passed me from what I remember. And then he pulled the gap. And then I don't know what happened. I started catching back again. And then after the fuel, at the refueling, we were almost same time. And then we we, we left. When we left, um, he, he kind of looked back and he saw me and he said, okay, you lead. I was like, oh, fuck. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Toby Price. I was yeah. like, okay, <laughs> let me lead. Uh, and then I was leading. And then every time we come to drop off, I will put my my hand up and trying to show me there is a danger and i kept trying i i i felt this day i cannot do anything wrong especially from the refueling and then now i look back he was not there i was like man i'm on it you know like in my yeah, head yeah and then i see the road book i think we had like five uh, sorry 15 k's in but to go to the finish I was like, man, I'm. I should be somewhere in the good position today. And I, I got. I remember a little bit sidetracked, like what I'm gonna say. Like you're thinking something. Yes, different. thinking yeah, too yeah, ahead, yeah, too much yeah. ahead. Like at the finish line, it will be this or that. Woke up, all I see, his face over me. Oh. Hey, buddy, you okay? Okay, don't move, don't move like this. No. I was out. I don't know where we were. And then I remember I, I asked him, hey, where are we at? He said, don't, 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 don't move. I said, no, what, where, where are we at, really? I said, don't move. We are in Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge. I said, but I didn't enter. <laughs> and I asked him, what year is it? He told me 18. My mind was stuck 2016. I said, what 18? We are 2016. No. I swear. Oh. He, he said, no, don't move, no. Well. He already uh, called the helicopter. And then I don't remember much. And this this memory I know because he told me what happened because I wanted to yeah, know what happened. Yeah. So I asked him what happened. And he told me the story. This is what I was, I, I kept on asking him, what year is it? And then I told him, oh, it's a dream of mine riding with you, talking all this. <laughs> so then I was lifted to the helicopter, uh, to the hospital. I had a major concussion and yeah, and then this kind of big incident where something major can go wrong and you come out of it, that can cause a big dent in your confidence. 100%. Because once I heard the Covenance is like uh, putting layers. Every yeah. time you l you ride, is like one layer, one layer. You know, every time you have a good moment, good race, is like one layer. You put on so much work, is just one layer of confidence. So you, in the end, let's say you have uh, three months of good uh, riding or six months of good riding, good training, you end up with this many layers. One, one big incident, bad incident. You, it, not one layer goes it's like big chunk of it is is gone and then you need to build again it doesn't come back in big chunk yeah it comes back in one page at a time one page at a, it's like a book yeah you know? and then as you like you were saying from from 18 to now like you've struggled to get that confidence back it's like you've got kids yeah you've got business yeah you've got all of these different things now whereas in that period from say 12 yeah. to 18 where you where you were able to stack those layers yeah. stacking the layers gets a lot harder yeah. the older and the busier yeah. that, that you get the more commitments that you have 
Yeah, you you try, you know, like I try to make balance between coaching my uh, and both uh, MX Ride and MX Academy and me training. I'm not uh, doing as much on the bike. Uh, I do a lot pre-season and then kind of maintain because really riding uh, after good solid riding the way I you should be is uh, with age your body needs yeah. a proper recovery all yeah. the joints especially out here man yeah like dude it yeah. fries you yeah. right now dear. yeah so I don't I do a lot like pre-season and then during the season I just maintain but I do a lot more in the gym and with the weights and fitness and stuff so what is your your racing schedule these days so dakar and then obviously like abu dhabi desert yeah. challenge like wh- how many races are you trying to get in a year now so this year uh, our plan is to do the full uh, baja world cup okay um, i would like to win it one more time uh, so i'll be doing eight eight rounds so um, we did already high in saudi I leave uh, this coming Tuesday to Qatar is round two, and then from there we go to Spain, and then the 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 tour in Europe, which is Spain, Spain, Hungary, Portugal, and then we come back to Jordan, uh, Dubai, and then Jordan final round. Yeah, and what's the program like? You're running your own your own race team essentially for this. Yeah, yeah. I like now I'm doing it. Uh, for uh, how you said to build my brand yeah. so i'm going in with my team my own mechanics and uh, and it's the same guys that are at mx ride yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah same guys and creating that uh, giving them the experience as well and you know in the race you kind of learn a lot as a regardless if you're a rider or a mechanic mm. so i'm trying to build that and see maybe we have a a third way where we can benefit from um, getting more income where we can support other riders as well so now between mx ride and mx academy i'm trying to introduce like the race line or you know where we can uh, give uh, racing services we already started since two years we get uh, clients who wants to race under our uh, team which is really nice you know for me the guy who was passing by that showroom as a kid never thought god will bless me with these uh, opportunities and uh, yeah i'm taking it all in as uh, as i'm getting all these uh, opportunities you know like i'm trying to make most of it yeah 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 i mean and it is just crazy to think that being that kid that was just constantly driving past the dealership to think the life that you can make in motorcycles and i think that's one of the great things about motorcycle racing and motorsports in general is you can make it a a a lifetime pursuit Yeah. yeah yeah i think if you if you find your true passion mm. or what you want to do this is a blessing itself because true, a huh? lot of guys they don't know what they want from life they n- we all know one thing is certain time does not stop for nobody time goes but during this time let's say if we are lucky 75 years you need to have a purpose 
and I promise you a lot of people I interact with they have mm. they still didn't find that purpose mm. and for me uh, luckily I found this you know and this is what I want to do all my message is through this I, I sit with a lot of uh, people I would say they will not give me a day uh, a time of their day if it wasn't for this dirt bike riding a dirt bike in the end i'm just riding a dirt bike mm. but they give me their time and they are holding the highest post and uh, because they see how passionate we are about the sport and about this uh, um, sport yeah and with that comes a lot of responsibility you know mm. like uh, for me i understood once I started doing well and I understood, okay, my message, what is my message and and how much forward I can go with it. And yeah, so I, I try, I really try. Yeah, no, you do, a, you do a good job of that. And I think Thank that uh, it, it's one of those, it's one of those things where I think that motorcycle racing in general, it takes so much discipline. It takes so much hard work it takes mm. so much dedication like you just can't get to where you've got to without mm. showing all of these characteristics and like you said there's these people in high places that hold you in high esteem mm. and i think it's a uh, it's because they recognize that this no one's getting this isn't given you know no. you, you can't just show up and, and do what you do no yeah it's a lot of uh, a lot of hard work and uh yeah, it's not as easy because, okay, I have a Marathi friends. Uh, they think uh, I became good because I have all these uh, sponsors. Mm. And then I have uh, expat friends. They think I have all these sponsors because I'm an Emirati. Yeah, yeah. And both are not right because I got where I'm at because I put in the work. You got where you're at because you burn yeah, 20 I, liters of fuel every yeah, single yeah. day. Yeah, I did a lot, you know. <laughs> and um, remember every time you are doing well and then boom one major injury happens it sets you back you have to come back again and this was uh, and it still is a story of my life you know you just keep on being there i think is a secret yeah showing you know, up showing up yeah a lot of people they just they're afraid to show up and I understood this from day one. Yeah, I just need to show up. Yeah. And I did show up and I did show up and, you know, and eventually doors open and and uh, regardless the the doors of the good racing or good result or sponsorship or opportunities is all... Built off that. Of that. Yeah. Showing yeah. up. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they don't just show up because they... Now, whatever the reason is, you can most of the time is just you being lazy yeah yeah but or scared of failure yeah like a lot i think a lot of people are scared to fail at something and scared to put themselves out there and then not succeed the thing like do even for me like this whole move into dubai thing like mm. it's there's so many times where i've wanted to go home <laughs> because it's <laughs> so hard and it's like I've got my studio there yeah. and I've got it so easy and I know everything and I've got everything yeah. everything's easy for me there. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, I put up I put up like a big blog post the other day like explaining this is why I moved, this is what I want. And then you have thousands of people that read it and see it and then 
now like you i can't fail in like front of all yeah. of those people because you've just said yeah. that you're gonna do it but i think that there's such a like that's a terrifying feeling to put yourself out there yeah. and to to state your intentions and then to be faced with the the possibility of not living up to those yeah. expectations that's a it's a heavy burden and it's way easier to go through life without ever yeah. putting that out into the world and then having to live up to that expectation 100% agreed yeah i think yeah f- people are scared of of failure and uh, especially if you share your goals exactly yeah putting it out there is because once it's out Ooh, <laughs> the pressure yeah. is <laughs> I've thought about that since <laughs> yeah. too. <laughs> you go to rev limiters yeah. quick. Yeah, the one thing I learned, like um, always speak about your your goals to close uh, circle people. And that helps because they can guide you, the, the trustworthy people. Uh, never... Um, explain or reveal your major goals to the the public because also that takes away from you because once you said it it mm. feels like you can achieved it because it gives you that so uh, true it gives you that uh, gives self- you the little hit yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. you feel like ah i'm all of that yeah, you know yeah, yeah because you have this uh, noble uh, thought but you haven't walked it yet you yeah, know like I this. completely agree yeah. so it's very uh, important to choose what to say when to say and to whom yeah. you're saying it yeah. yeah it's important there's a I've thought about that a lot before because I think when I was a lot younger I would do that like you would uh, I would you'd say oh, I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that I'm gonna do this and then people would be like oh yeah man i could see you doing that yeah. like that's awesome and you get a, almost a feeling like you've already achieved, achieved the thing it. that you yeah. said you were gonna yeah. do and that that is a, a real trap yeah for me when i was about to start the uh, mx academy happened like quick yeah mx ride took a it's took a, a bit more of an undertaking yeah and then i kept my mouth sealed and then I took uh, my brother uh, Sultan and uh, my best friend Abdullah Shati to the spot there. I say, what is this place? I say, yeah, this is, and nothing was there, just desert. Yeah. I say, yeah, we're going to have a center here. I'm going to have a workshop, a storage room, a track, a small uh, beginner level uh, supercross track. They both looked at each other. And they they call me captain. He say captain is smoking something. <laughs> 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 and then it took me a year uh, to set up everything. And then boom, uh, COVID hit. Oh. So I kept nobody knew. I kept it silent. Only these two. And Mario, who helped me with the to run the business. Uh, and then uh, once the restriction was lifted from going out like to go out during COVID and I announced it then I say okay this is the place we have nobody knew I kept on working for a year and a half or something and then I just announced it when we were about to when we were allowed to go out you know and that was the best 
uh, feeling for me because I knew if I spoke about it, it just it will weaken your uh, drive, you know. Yeah. So I just kept kept it to myself and just close circuit people, uh, circle people. I just told them, and that's it. The it's an, a, a crazy achievement out there that that yeah. track. I mean, I think for me, I've been to a lot of tracks all over the world. That has to be one of the gnarliest hmm. motocross tracks yeah. that I've ever been to, and one hmm. of the coolest facilities. I was actually, I was actually on FaceTime with one of my best friends back home. I rode out there, I think well, a couple of Saturdays ago. I rode with Basil, hmm. and I was out there sunrise, like it was just beautiful. Yeah. And then I was on FaceTime with Sam, and I was showing him the. the he's like, "Oh, so what's the deal, like yeah. with with." you know riding out there and i was like oh I'll, I'll show you and i like i turned the camera around and i was showing him from the car park and there's yeah. like the logo there and i was like yeah that's like the little kitchen kind of area they've got you know like the food there and then that bit's the workshop yeah. and then there's like toilets and showers and then yeah. they've got change rooms and yeah. showing him he was like this is like incredible yeah. and i mean australia we're so far behind when it comes to i, I feel like you probably feel like the uae is far behind in terms of the the racing and like the club like australia's got a full national series and all the you know the factory teams and stuff like that but in terms of facilities like mx rides one of the best facilities that that i've been to and it's like i think that i actually didn't know that you'd only started it since COVID. i thought it'd been around a lot longer but i think that there's some really cool stuff coming for, for out there we uh, first of all thank you for this kind words uh, i started in 19 um after i won the uh, uh baja world cup 2018 i saw um, his highness uh, sheikh hamdan crown prince of dubai and uh, at that time i s- i told him what what dream i had or what idea because it I is had. a dream yeah for it? me like, that's a crazy vision yeah. to pull that off yeah, so I told him about the vision and my idea to to have a place in the desert where people can experience the desert, but also it's like a motocross and where you can train for motocross, Dakar, from motocross to Dakar, yeah. you know, because yeah. you have the open desert there. And I, I've always thought I have something, it will be, uh, it has to be something special then mm. where nobody has it, you know. And uh, he said, okay, how big is the land? And then I told him, I need this much land. And boom, it happened. So 2019, I spent a lot of time developing the place. And then 2020 hit, COVID, lockdown. I was like, man, I don't know. I, at that time, nobody knew how long this yeah. nonsense will last. You know, and then... Uh, yeah, for me, I thought maybe again I have to sell everything uh, to to survive. I don't know. And then when they up uh, lifted the the restrictions, I was like, okay, now full gas. And then uh, yeah, of course it hold us a little bit back, but also it gave me gave time, time. Yeah, yeah to yeah. think and to play my cards right. And yeah, I think it we are at honestly maybe 40 percent of what i want want to to do from the on the place and soon we will announce more stuff yeah yeah because i mean i've it's funny uh that was one of my big things 
moving here when I first came here and I, I went out and went with Sammy Sunderland yeah. and he was riding out there and he'd, he'd told me and I'd heard it's it's funny because I'd heard things about the track yeah. I'd heard things from Toby yeah. I'd heard things from Sam yeah. I'd had uh, Jeffrey Hurlings told yeah. me yeah. about it and I'm like you keep hearing it hearing yeah. it, this MX ride it's like out in the desert it's this yeah. crazy track yeah. and, uh, and then I went out there with Sam and I was like I will suck so bad here <laughs> <laughs> like I've never ridden anything yeah. like this like this is gonna be gnarly so that one of my things moving here that that place out there was mm. like one of the things that helped me move here because oh, I was man. like alright I'm gonna figure out yeah. <laughs> how to ride this drag and it mm. is gonna kick my ass yeah. for months and months and months mm. so I'm just like I bought my bike I'm setting it up and I'm like I'm gonna learn yeah. <laughs> how to ride that track hey this is really nice track yeah I, um, and the what makes it nice is the wind changes the all the drop-offs yeah uh, so every time you have a wind it's is different the following day sometime during the same day is different yeah yeah. so that keeps you i think it's good thing you did you got yourself a bike and yeah maybe we have to go ride together uh soon yeah we still haven't got to ride together yeah, yeah. i want to do a desert ride too there's there's so much stuff that uh, excites me about being here over the next few years yeah. like i i really would love to do like a gypsy tales tour like people that listen to the podcast yeah. to bring them over i yeah. don't know how long we could do it maybe like a four or five day trip yeah. where they fly in we get like a cool hotel for people to stay at we get people back and forwards every yeah. day a couple days on the motocross track maybe one day like coaching with the academy yeah. then a desert ride i think people would lose their mind to come out here and just like see what yeah. what is out here you know we have a hotel on the place as well there i didn't know yeah that. there is a like a small <laughs> bungalow style yeah yeah i didn't know you that. can come and stay there and then ride from the place a saturday i'm having a desert ride uh-huh, you're more yeah. than welcome to join all right all right how yeah. far do you go on that thing maybe we'll do 120 40. how do you go with fuel uh, there is a gas station. Oh, like okay. We, yeah, we yeah, ride yeah, yeah. to the gas station, have a small break, and it's like uh, mixed level uh, riders, yeah. like good riders, slow riders. Yeah. But anyways, I I go uh, every five to ten k stop, regroup, and go. Yeah. If you up for that, come Saturday Could morning. Could be keen. Yeah. I uh, I've already been humbled a couple times yeah. out there. I had, I had the first tire uh, I cartwheel Basil's bike for him because <laughs> I was riding his bike <laughs> and uh, I went off the you, you know you got like the S sections yeah. now that yeah. I think it's like a newer part of the yeah, track yeah. and then there was one that I thought it went right I thought it was a turn straight after it so I've yeah. sort of jumped into it, a bit of a turn and yeah. then I'm like oh that's just a <laughs> wide open straight cartwheeled and then I cartwheeled off one of the drops the other day so yeah. it's a it's a humbling humbling place out there yeah. Yeah. but there's uh there's a, a really great community of riders here as well yeah. like it's a small community yeah but a really it seems like a really close-knit community of, of guys out here that ride and girls yeah I think uh, everyone is passionate and everybody is is there to help build the sport and um, I think is once you are a dirt bike mm. rider you are similar character you know and uh, 
And yeah, like you said, we don't have the level as uh, you guys have in Australia or America or Europe, but uh, the passion is the same, you know. Uh, I would, you would see, uh, you know, especially in the school, you will see uh, the f- same feeling a guy who will hit a jump mm. maybe f- uh, 20 meters long. And you'll see a guy barely leaving the ground this same time. Same feeling. Same feeling. Yeah. Same feeling. And they both can relate. Yeah. You know, they both can have the same uh, conversation. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. How much has the, the scene changed over the last, what, let's say 20 years since you, you've been on Red Bull 20 years? Yeah. So how much has the scene changed here? Because the Middle East, or the UAE, the Middle East is motor crazy yeah. so there's always <laughs> been this this passion what why do you think that is to start with like why is there such a passion for anything that yeah. you can put fuel in yeah. in the middle east i think is they are more we are more passionate about racing yeah because before cars and uh, uh, ah. bikes we were racing horses uh, camels you know in some areas donkeys yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that makes so much yeah. sense so from that to this i uh, still there are like uh, horse races uh, big oh, and crazy uh, big. camel races are big the shake has one of the biggest like horse racing yeah like teams in the world yeah. right yeah 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 we have uh, horse racing from like sprint races to like uh, endurance races like 120 i don't know how long they go for but i think racing is the key i mm. think uh, we are more into racing that makes a lot so of sense. when we had uh, see i would say before dirt bikes were uh, invented desert was how it was portrayed in all the movies it's like mm. death uh, survival or yeah. in all all yeah. movies yeah now dirt bike games now we know the purpose of desert yeah, yeah it's like yeah, a disneyland yeah. for riders yeah yeah so yeah i would say um, um being uh, from dubai or from uae is uh, i think is the way forward f- if you want to be a, a dirt bike rider in the uh, discipline of baja or cross country yeah because we have the most challenging uh, dunes most challenging desert and variety yeah. of it you know different kind um, different colors of sand means different things and this only happens when you ride a lot yeah here like right now who's the best uh desert rider in the whole world by far is sam Sandman. Yeah, yeah you know no no one can come close to sam because he spent so much time in this here, desert yeah, yeah yeah man the way he understand uh dunes and i think he's got it yeah he, he knows where he sees yeah you know and uh, this is i think a lot of people are lacking yeah he knows you know maybe he doesn't think about it where he uh, i need to speak to him about this actually yeah yeah, yeah yeah to ask him how he does it that would be sick you and him doing the yeah. podcast together yeah because <laughs> there's because it's like what i said before about it's like being a surfer yeah you know when you're i don't know if you've ever surfed maybe when you're in la <laughs> but when when you're surfing the the surfing itself is so simple in theory you paddle mm. and then you stand up stand on the up. wave but then to look out the back to know the sets when the sets are coming and if yeah. there's 
five waves in a set and if the second yeah. wave of the set is the yeah. cleanest and if the swell is on this direction yeah. what it's going to do and if the wind is on this direction to the swell yeah. and i think the desert would be the same thing like you would be able to identify like you said with the colors and yeah. the, the way the wind is going yeah but then he does something which completely does not make sense you know i remember one of the stages uh, on the last day one of the there's a challenge Abu Dhabi there's a challenge we did he and it was reverse order so um, the top 10 start in reverse order I think something like this if I'm not mistaken so he was uh, leading the championship the, the, the desert championship I mean the Abu Dhabi desert challenge and then he started 10th and I, I started I believe fifth because I was fifth yeah so I started fifth he caught me within no time and remember there at that time there was two minutes apart at yeah. that time now it's three minutes so he's 10 minutes behind you 10 minutes behind me but he made that time within no time like quickly on me and he's the only guy I cannot like even ride a li- uh, little bit with even not even little that's bit. amazing yeah and at that time where my confidence was to the to to highest you know and we come to a dune and it's like bl- blind spot behind like you cannot see what's behind it he comes past me and he jumps it as if he's been through this place hundred times <laughs> <laughs> you know and then he was gone I, I saw him for that brief moment. <laughs> he made that 10 minutes on me and he was gone and he won. You know, so f- yeah, it's good. It's important to ask. What know. he's saying. Yeah, because sometimes also the, the guys who are good riders, for them it's difficult also to explain yes. how they do it. Yeah. But if you kind of tr- try to squeeze them or d- just to break it down or ask them, maybe let's say... 20 questions in order to get some answer, some, some yeah, sense yeah, out of it. Yeah. It's good. But I would say it's, it is in the eyes. Yeah. What do you think, like, what are you looking for in the June set? Because, so that, the back rhythm section mm. of, of MX Ride, that's where I'm just, I got zero confidence, yeah. zero skill, zero awareness. And like, I, I've ridden there maybe five times and I still don't have the confidence of remembering yeah. like yeah. even you know where it's at so like what are you looking for in those dunes i think it's a long track to to remember but it is with time you will remember but what you look for is developing bumps Mm. and then where you can use these bumps as landing and you need to know how long you can go because most of them is like harsh landing carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. 
Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. No, and then you need to know how long you can go before that harsh landing. And sometimes, because now there's a, let's say a pocket is developed from the guys. And then after this pocket, there is a bump. So all you need to do is clear this. Clear the pocket. Pocket. And yeah. then you, it kind of catches and it will be like half a bike length, but it, it, it becomes like a landing. Yeah. So this is what you need to be aware of. And uh, yeah, basically go a little bit uh, further every time and find your, it's like flirting with a thin line yeah, with yeah. your limits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's always good. It's always good until it's, it's not, not good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. when you're when you're doing like an Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge mm. and you're in these dunes for the first time, and like you said, every day in the dunes is your first time, basically yeah. because of yeah. the way that the wind is shaping them. Mm. Like, what do you? Because you've spent so many years in the dunes, do you have like a recipe of what you look for when you know that it's going to be some a, a dune that you can jump, or when you know yeah. it's going to be one you have to back off on? I would say, again, it's where you look. You know, if, let's say, uh, you're coming down the dune, if you if you were a little bit late on spotting the next, before you're coming down, spotting the next up, because if you, can, if you are coming from previous dune and you kind of have a, a look what's coming and kind of... Uh, gauge okay how much further you can jump in you know to the coming uh, coming up dune but if you miss as soon as you are like on the slope down yeah, then it looks just uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's blind yeah. now you are in this state of hesitancy you go you will go and then basically if you are a normal human being you will back off back <laughs> off yeah. and tap off and break and use it as a uh, breaking point and come down and then you will kick yourself because you lost uh, one second or two seconds and le- uh, if you see it if you spot it well then you can jump in and I think that's a big uh, big uh, key to this but then if you're coming from um, if you start the stage there there were some stages where you start from high dunes and the whole stage is like you kind of going down mm. down then you spot the lighter as soon as you see lighter layer of sand let's say you start with uh, a um, dark yellow sand or uh, red sand as soon as you see light uh, color uh, almost to white nine out of ten is a drop off yeah right yeah nine out of ten is a drop off and why is that it's just this is formed uh, sand from the wind uh. it's just formed it's n- it 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 will not look uh, same as it, as it is you know and then also there is a, another way let's say if you don't spot um the coming uh, dune from the previous one then the shape of the dune if it, the shape is like arched like this Again, nine out of ten, it has a belly behind it. Nine out of ten, it will not be a drop off. But let's say if you're coming from the opposite side, if you kind of spot, let's say you're going 
this direction and then you kind of spot there's a kind of a belly to it then it's a steep down then there's a drop off yeah. coming so it can be colored can be the shape but this takes um a split second to decide because you're coming so fast mm. and but again i think it's most important to spot then that feeling 10 out of 10 will be there yeah M- yeah most of the time is 9 out of 10 because you're basing it on your experience previous yeah. experience yeah and the desert is like waves you can is not predictable all the time yeah i was i was blown away when we went out it's uh liwa the Jews. Liwa, yeah, yeah. yeah man that is <laughs> honestly yeah. me and my brother we drove out there so we we were at the finish of stage the the second last stage so yeah the one before the final stage yeah and we drove out there from dubai yeah. and we went pretty much out to abu dhabi and yeah. then went left and then just drove almost it's pretty much on the saudi border yeah and phenomenal yeah. like just the biggest dunes yeah. and like crazy colors and mm. it, there's such a there's such like a a raw beauty out there yeah it's there's not trees there's not much nothing. color there's not there's nothing much there but there's yeah. so much there at the same time if yeah. that makes sense yeah if you are a dirt bike rider this is your spot <laughs> because this really there's no life yeah except this humongous dunes and and is all opportunity to connect them the way let's say we go for a free ride there then you can only connect a few things to jump from here to there you know like yeah, the, yeah. the the opportunities uh, to to have a ride is crazy to to have a like a dream ride yeah is, is uh, out of this world because really what's what the purpose of these dunes yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know hey and uh yeah during the race i remember day four yeah day four we were waiting on the start and then as you start uh, like we were going up and up and then the first guy or i think uh, we noticed it from the second guy so i was starting the i was starting 13th and there's a gap and the second guy yeah we noticed it from the second rider uh, one of the honda boys and they jumped the gap like they hey man nobody knows this place N- nobody knows they just spotted so the first guy did it i think the second guy did it and then the pressure builds because yeah, now all yeah. the cameramen <laughs> yeah. coming to this spot and it's like a proper gap jump on a rally bike and the tanks are full so then uh, the guy uh, Uh, the rider ahead of me uh conrad he did it i was like okay go yeah so it's uh, a lot of things you have to do it on the go there is no uh, let me gauge it and come back there's no gauging yeah either you do it or not and then the, you add in the navigation yeah which is yeah. crazy as yeah, well yeah. i would be so bad i yeah. could barely get here <laughs> <laughs> with ways let, let alone having to look at look at the maps yeah. that was the thing when when to, i've known toby before he got into rally yeah and then i was like dude you can't read <laughs> like, <laughs> how, are you, how are you gonna read these maps and then like even the other day uh he did like a, a truck test mm. and uh, after the the rally he just remembers shit yeah like he just he could get there 
it was our past like the cycling mm. drome out there yeah and uh he's like go left here go he'd been there once like three years ago yeah it's just like bro i think i think a lot of riders can remember the stages uh, really this another thing i need to speak to the guys and the stages you've done it maybe once but somehow because you're so caught in the moment it it registers yeah yeah back of uh, your brain and it stays there I, I could remember many stages from peru from when the uh, uh, dakar used to be in south america like uh, some stages i mean not fully but part of it i i still can remember it's crazy i don't know yeah that is crazy yeah how, how many dakars have you done now I think six, six or seven. I'm not sure. Wow. Uh, 12, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, six. I've done six. Is that is that the hardest race? Yeah, this year was the hardest. Uh, 18 was really hard when Marcoma did the uh, the the design or how you say it, the, the 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 tracks. Yeah. Was really tough. And then this year was, uh, I don't know what they were thinking, really tough. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I was... Plus mm, they had the rain. A lot of rain and so cold. So yeah. cold. So cold. And me living all my life here, it's like, I don't do good in cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, I was talking to um, one of the boys and they were saying that th- it was just beautiful though. Mm, like yeah. Saudi is one yeah. of the most like spectacular yeah. in terms of the landscape and, yeah. the, and the views that that you ride through but it looks good on camera obviously yeah. not that good to ride through. No, no, no. <laughs> it's very hard uh, we we had to do a lot of uh, like uh, trial riding few the first week was a lot of mountain a lot of rocks and me i'm not so <laughs> good in this um, then when we came to empty quarter i started enjoying it a lot more uh, but I have uh, like um, since two years I um, I had an injury with a slip disc. Uh, I have two slip discs, and this was bothering me one way this year a lot, a lot more than last year. So I just survival mode uh, from day one, you know, like this. Yeah, no, that I that would be. It's like a in the back of my head something that I'd like love to do one day, just to try and like finish the yeah. the rally but it just seems like the craziest challenge and that you've got guys that do it solo yeah, yeah, like yeah. completely they do the mechanic they do everything yeah. all by themselves yeah i cannot do this uh, malmoto thing is so difficult at uh, first i'm not a good mechanic <laughs> second can you imagine after riding let's say on an average you are on the bike um, 10 to 12 hours on an average and then you have to do your own maintenance uh, really respect the guys who do it they are really good you mm. know and then it takes uh, like a special character to be able to to do this you mm. know it's really it's not easy this is from your resting time mm. you need to rest and recover but you see them working and sometimes if if it is a normal day like just normal service and checking the spokes and changing the tire this is easy day but some many times they have problems mm. they have to fix the problem and this takes a lot more yeah yeah no yeah. they're like iron man even that when because we're at the presentation night for the uh desert challenge yeah and then when they read out that there was that class i was like <laughs> wait what <laughs> who, d- who would do that 
Yeah, yeah. I think someone who's mad at uh, themselves, you know. Yeah, 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 they just love that like yeah. Navy Seal Torture, mentality. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so before we 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 went off off topic, but we we're talking about uh, how much the, I guess the scene has changed here ah, yeah. in the last like like twenty years. Like, what what's it been like to watch it kind of progress? Um, for me, I'm really. Uh, happy to see the 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 big changes uh, from having one uh, uh, dusty club in uh, Lawir. Uh, we have an area called Lawir. Um, no water system, no nothing, and to now have so many tracks in the region and so many riders in the region, not only UAE. Um, I would like to think I uh, I played a small mm. role in developing uh, racing scene and racing in uh, in Bahrain in Qatar in Kuwait in Saudi Arabia so at that time we had one track and it was in in Dubai you know and uh, and that's it mm. so now we have so many tracks in the region and so many races and look now Abu Dhabi I think got involved with the um, I believe uh, World Supercross as well last year oh uh, one of the yeah 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 one of the I think the company yeah like the over yeah the investment company yeah yep, so yep, I, yep. I, w- I would like to think the that um, we played a role throughout the years and trying to put the sport on the map here yeah and trying to bring awareness about the sport in the region in Arab world and in Asia and I think that pays off I think for me to see it from where it was to where it's at and I know where it's going yeah is really uh, amazing feeling because this is something what put uh, food on the table for my family yeah. you know and then I only wanted to see it in a good light. You know, I only wanted to see it in a uh, doing good. I, I love it when I hear a rider got a crazy contract, mm. you know, and this is good. This is healthy for the sport. Uh, I, I like the riders to be respected, to look. I think we are no less than uh, uh, Formula One riders, but see how they uh, put their drivers in a good spotlight and how we are doing to our riders except handful of riders on the pinnacle of our sport only handful of riders but why is that mm. you understand and uh, this always uh, kind of bothers me I, wa- I, w- I think we are much better than this mm. you know I think we have the numbers we have the stories we have the, the racing amazing racing man um, to put our sp- sport on the light that it deserves, mm. it will do good for our sport and for all the riders and also for the manufacturers. Mm. You know, right now everybody's just doing just enough to sustain and and then uh, again when we say about uh, I like to hear a num uh, like a rider get a multi million dollar uh, contract. Uh, it makes me happy but then you compare this to other yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's nothing it's yeah. like uh, really nothing so it is important that our job your job other riders job to 
to not uh, let go of this and try to put our sport and uh, riders with where they have to be you know like never get what Giorgio Bay told me never get less than what you deserve yeah you know so don't be have a self-worth yeah you know, of what you do in the end is a skill that you mastered you know that's what is talent yeah you know and is uh, many kids look up t- to all the riders and and they want to be you but for example many parents who are who wear riders they don't allow their kids to go because they know this path is uh, mm, there's no know, future in there's there. no future yeah. if you cal- very few i would say maybe five percent of the entire uh, world's uh, riders get a kind of chance mm. or can i make it or if that yeah i don't think even five percent yeah and you know? do, do you think that like you would have surely done uh, quite a lot for like Emirati people to see this as like a potential future because like you yeah. said that you know the people that were in your family were trying to push you into something different yeah and like so do you think that you've kind of played a role in like th- there'd be other Emirati families that would come out to MX ride or to de- the um, you know the Dubai track like they're seeing a little bit more of a pathway yeah I now we have so many families bringing their kids mm. you know now they they make it or not that's something else but to bring their kids this was not the case mm. you know during my time it as an Emirati not only me many other Emiratis they started late mm. because of the families being overprotective with their kids oh no no don't it's dangerous sport so we had to change Mm. this uh, idea of being dangerous i think any sport is dangerous but if you do it right you will minimize that uh, uh, danger mm. or the injury level in it you know if you do it right if you learn i think most of my injuries is is, uh, is a lesson because i did something yeah, wrong, wrong that's yeah. why i crashed yeah, yeah. You, nobody crashes uh, when they do everything right, right, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. you need to have a proper position you need to be focused you need to be in the moment you need to have a right stand all of this and then hopefully nothing can happen yeah yeah you know? i think uh from being around here a little bit it seems like the uae is a unique country in motorsports because you have ties to the highest level of the country yeah and there's no you know like you see in 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 the u.s right when the nfl team wins the super bowl they go to the white house and they meet the president like that ain't happening in supercross like when eli tomac wins like no one kind of cares whereas i think that's one unique thing uh here is that you've got support and Emirati riders and you know races yeah. they have support from like the highest levels in the government and that is massive for a sport true but it used to be like this for america as well if you look at the because for me in order to learn about the sport i had to go mm. to the history yeah you know i remember when i got this uh, off nation cassettes i remember u.s uh, team uh, when they went to Europe to race uh, off nation, they met the president at that time. I think Jeff Ward was in the team. Uh, 
I, I'm not sure the exact, uh, my memory, memory is not so great, but they did, but then they stopped. Mm. So somebody was doing the PR work, Yeah, yeah. you know? Now, nobody's doing this. Yeah. You, maybe you have to check it. Yeah. I'm sure, I'll, I'll I've seen it yeah. uh, in one of the cassettes I have. Uh, they used to uh, go, I, I don't know which president, but I'm 1000% sure that it used to happen, you know, before and after winning the Off Nation, but it stopped. So it's, that means someone used to do this. Someone in, dropped the ball. Yeah, is is in the end is uh, PR, is uh, communication. Yeah. There should be one guy. That's so true. You huh? know, and that's it, it's as simple as that. I've, I've worked so hard um, and then I got my break, you know, but in the end, when I got my break, someone made that uh, made that bridge. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. If not for that person who made the communication, I would not have met His Highness as well. Yeah. So somebody saw what I do is worthy. Okay, let's see where it goes. Yeah, and how important was that support? Like, do you think you could have done what you've done in your career without without the support from that high level, those high level places? I, I would say uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, because... You were going to find a way no yes, matter what. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it helps when you have uh, these kind of support. It helps with your cause. It helps Even with your with vision. Even with self-belief, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. In the end, I remember... One day, uh, my first ever sponsorship was uh, before any paid sponsorship. I walked in my house to my mom. I said, look, I, I had like X amount of uh, Oakley Googles that I was yeah. sponsored by them. And then uh, I got like a, a, a top end kit given to me by KTM at that time as a support. And I walked into my mom, look, because she was always against me. It's like, hey, you should do like your cousin's uh, work. Why don't you work and or start a business or something? I said, look what I got. And she looked at me and we, like I looked at it from a different angle. She looked yeah. at it from a different angle. Yeah. She told me, but I think you can buy all of this. <laughs> <laughs> and she's right. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, right. Yeah. I could buy this, yeah, the yeah. whole thing in the bag. I could yeah. afford and buy it. Yeah. But for me, I saw it as a appreciation. So yeah, you yeah. know, from my yeah, point of view yeah, as a writer, yeah. I, I was being That's someone else's belief in you. Yeah. yeah it's like yeah. he sees that what I do is, he, he believes in it and, and he can see where I can go with it. He's respecting my effort. Yes. He's rewarding yes, my yes. effort. For me, it was like, okay, so this is the first time I got anything for free for what I do as a passion. So it, that means soon the paychecks will come, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like this. And then I just continue. For me, it was the first time of, um, of uh, surety that what I'm doing is right. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, it's, uh, that's <laughs> such a good way to say it. And because I always say to people like, 
so I'm lucky enough like I, I get things for free yeah. through riding and people will always help me with like yeah. gear and with, yeah. with bike parts and, and things yeah. like that for what I do but I always say to people free ain't free yeah no one's giving you something yeah. completely free yeah. and there's a transaction that is taking place yeah and and you're right like and i've never thought about it in that way yeah. but i think the same thing that you explained there it's like it's a symbol yeah it's not just it might have been a 300 dollars piston and ring yeah. kit which yes you could have afforded yeah. but yeah. it's the fact that somebody believes in you enough yeah. that they think they're going to get a return off giving you that yeah. thing it's not there's no freebies in life no there's they're giving you this and then you're going to give something back and it's because you have something that they want 100 percent. but the key is not to get stuck in that moment so where free is good enough exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. because what is free is good enough today tomorrow you actually improved and you've done a lot more so you deserve a bit more so this is very important you you know how much you put in effort and work and a lot of uh, compromise you've done in order to reach where you reached you should not short sell yourself Mm. that's important that's what i tell all my riders is important not to short sell yourself that's so hard to commit to though because you can lose a lot of deals like that that's what i say the problem with our industry yeah because what i'm not willing to do for x someone else is willing to do it for free yeah and and that's what uh our uh, and that's where a lot of uh, companies and uh, manufacturers take advantage of Mm. you know and unfortunately yeah uh, i would say as a rider you need not to short sell yourself Uh, you need to put in work and you need to get what you deserve you know and then from there you move on and the sky is the limit because if you don't if you don't believe you can you deserve this you know then you're you're not going anywhere yeah you know you might get something this year yeah and then what happens when you're injured yeah you know yeah yeah, they will replace you like this yeah and if you haven't taken care of like you've stacking those chips you you just end up living like season to season to season yeah Uh, for me uh, because I started so late in the sport I understood it from the beginning yeah yeah and then uh, it it takes time and effort um, and then you need to respect what you do you know it starts from that and in the end you are you are you are doing more than a lot of other sports really you're doing yeah. it's a lot more online yeah it's a lot more online yeah and then you should get that much it is hard man because you know you look at a, a company like ktm i mean it would frustrate me seeing in australia like COVID hit and it seemed like it was just an excuse all yeah. the riders got fired all the teams yeah. they sh- closed down the budgets yeah. but they made more money through that period yeah. than they ever have before and it's not yeah. just I'm just using KTM as an example it's you know not a crazy dig at them but there were so many companies that, that did that and you know I, I would sort of think that yeah you're right like you just can't you can't just 
take the money while it's good and expect that it's going to stay good. It's like mm. when when that much money flows into the industry, there should be like a double the investment in the sport itself because yeah. it's only going to get better for the future if you do that, you know? Yeah. I agree. It's We're a it's a hard that's it's a you wish that you could make the decisions for some of these companies, I guess, because you can yeah. see the future a little bit clearer. Yeah, and and for me is uh like uh, the the reward system is not at uh, its place where it should be, you know. Uh, like uh, sometimes uh, when you see uh, with with friends, like they are not familiar with the sport, uh, at that time there was like a whole shot money. Yeah. And they put the board uh, like some of the races like hundred dollars. I was like, man, you know. And these like from this side. I mean, hundred dollars is hundred dollars, but it's still we're talking about this. Uh, this these guys are the 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 best of the best, and they are holding this massive. I think the board cost maybe hundred dollars, or thousand. I don't know. Yeah, and it's just cheapening the sport. So yeah, for agree. me, I don't. I didn't like this. A lot of things, bragging for something you should not be bragging about you know yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. promoter they will push this yeah but hey it's just you putting the sport in a, in a in a bad light yeah yeah of course if a privateer wins that whole shot money thousand dollars maybe yeah but how unlikely is it is that he's it? gonna yeah. do that yeah, yeah you know yeah so i would say like you when you compare it to golf uh look at the 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 purse that what they get you know um, the each meeting how much the the net worth of each uh, athlete is how much and you compare it to that and then they say ah but we don't sell yeah of course we yeah, do we, we do yeah uh, yeah but then uh, golf is not a popular sport like uh, like soccer for example yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I know maybe one friend of mine uh, who, who likes soccer. Uh, yeah. uh, who likes golf. Oh, golf. One, yeah, one yeah, yeah, friend yeah, of yeah, mine yeah. who likes golf. I know. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm surrounded with riders, but I have non-rider friends, and from them is one guy who plays uh, golf. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm being uh, I'm using golf as a as an example, you know. So I would say the the winning uh, or the prize money should be there. Yeah. And now, regardless if it is, uh, oh, you don't want to put the prize money so high because the factory guys already get paid or whatever. No, you put it because the high prize money will put the sport in a in a good place. It's so place. true. Yeah. yeah, you need to put these stuff. This stuff matters. You set matters. your own value. Yeah, it's like look at tennis. You know, it becomes prestigious. Then. Exactly, yeah. it has to be prestigious. Yeah, yeah. Where the parents think, ah, oh, okay, this let is me worthwhile. Think. Yes, because every kid's like, I'm gonna put my kid into soccer. I'm yeah. gonna put my kid into tennis. I'm gonna put yeah. my kid into golf. Yeah. But and and you're right. Like so, I I have this conversation a lot with AMA writers, and it's been one of the things that I've tried to push a lot 
in the last couple of years is this whole rider pay conversation and then the pushback that i get from people especially some fans of the sport too yeah. where they're like oh we don't want it to turn into this and we don't want like we, we shouldn't have money like motocross is a an average guy sport but it's like I just don't get that logic. Mm. I don't understand when people would say that they wouldn't want these guys to be getting paid or that money's going to ruin a sport because it does set the... It, it's the optics of the non-rider. Like when you're... F- the friend that you're talking about that doesn't ride, mm. that doesn't know about the sport, when when you hear that they're racing for $100, yeah. it seems stupid. Yeah, It seems pointless. And then when you go, oh, this guy gets... How much does he get if he wins this race? Oh, $5,000. People are just like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, why, why bother doing that? You yeah. know, whether that's right or wrong, you know, whether money shouldn't matter, it does at the end of the day. The of, and yeah. there's people that watch golf because... And, and there's a thing as well that it switches in your mind. If you know that a guy has to sink a putt that's mm. five foot long mm. for five million dollars yeah you understand people can understand and relate to the pressure they can understand to the importance yeah. you don't have to know anything about golf you yeah. don't have to know anything about putting yeah. you don't have to know anything about reading greens yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to know <laughs> shit <laughs> you know yeah. that it would be a lot of pressure yeah. to hit that tiny yeah. ball into that tiny hole yeah. for five million dollars and it's worth watching yeah. people can stop what they're doing in their busy daily yeah. life it's the same as a horse race yeah you get a huge prize prize packet that yeah. that comes along it's the pressure like that's the thing that that people can relate yeah. to and whether you can can relate to riding a horse i've never ridden a horse yeah. before but i know that it's gnarly yeah. to try and race a horse for that much money true I would say good feeling is contagious. Mm. You know, like laughter is contagious. Mm. You know, you can go to any uh, laughing, exercising place or uh, stand up. Sometimes if you just hear the yeah, yeah. stand up without yeah. uh, the, the crowd, crowd you will not. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so laughing and good feeling is really contagious. So that moment where he's putting the ball in this hole is a pressure moment and everybody's rooting for this guy yeah, yeah. because this good feeling is uh, contagious yeah you know they want to feel they want to relate they want the other to succeed and some people they are uh, uh, addicted to bad feeling there will be some people rooting against yeah, yeah you know yeah. they are negative people they 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 like to be associated with negativeness but majority of human they they they're uh, they like good energy good feel yeah L- that's why we watch good feel movies you know yeah. like yeah yeah you know like a comeback comeback stories, stories yeah. And yeah, yeah yeah the hero so this yeah so if, if that pressure moment is caused the checker flag at that moment on the final heat costs 10 million dollars a can you imagine how much uh, eyeballs you'll have on that uh, moment on mm. uh, watching our sport? Yeah. Yeah. So is like you said. I would say this m- uh, moment is created by this pressure mm-hmm. that you give 
the the athlete to perform to his highest level to be the right there because the stake is is so high so high yeah and, and then you're so right like because what are we watching sport for we want to feel yeah like we want to feel something whether it's like you said whether it's you're rooting for the person or against, against the person yeah. and like boxing's the best example yeah. of that you know floyd mayweather's worth over a billion dollars yeah because people wanted to see him lose yeah like they hated him yeah. to where they wanted to see him lose or like a, a person like mike tyson it's yeah. the opposite yeah you know, people want to see, see him win they just yeah. want that and there's so much on the line that's attached to it and then like the the glitz and the glam that that comes with it and you look at formula one i mean for years formula one hasn't been the best racing no it's not that they're not getting paid the most money because it's the most entertaining form of racing you can't when you go to it you can't even see the whole track you know but there's prestige and there's money on the line and it's like and we're not you know you're not watching a sport like formula one because you can relate to it Mm. Or because you can go and buy one of those cars on mm. on Monday, and you wanna mm. you wanna buy the the car that that won the race. It's just not it's not how it works. Hundred percent. So yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Do you think it's Do you think it's gonna get better? I hope. Yeah, with this now World Supercross, and I think we need a series where. Uh, it is one any series can start with this crazy. Um, prize money like high uh, prize money where all the riders and factories are forced to go to this one yeah yeah you know and then it will start yeah I think one series any series has to do this and I think everybody will uh, gravitate towards it yeah you know like why we don't have a proper uh, series like we do have MXGP and then uh, we do have uh, AMA, but why we don't have a series where you have the really the best, li- like the motocross of nation, mm. but instead of being once a year, it, it's somehow it's up for grab X amount. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you, you collect, instead of collecting points, your, your points is worth X amount, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah and then the riders will be motivated yeah yeah and i think as well like especially the the thing that's so exciting well i've actually heard that there is going to be a factory team yeah. in world supercross this year nice so i actually think that that's probably going to start you probably will start seeing what you've kind of spoke about but yeah and i think there's such a a weird mentality where people think that america is the only place where people ride motocross or it's it's so like condensed but like you said there's tracks in saudi kuwait jordan israel like there's so many of these places that have a a huge following i mean even like in in india's massive population riders like the sport is so closed off to the rest of the world it seems like and i think that as that opens up i there's way more people that ride motorcycles than drive cars yeah globally yes i mean it should be motorcycle racing should be i think the biggest and most like uh like the wealthiest sport i hope this motorcycle is like soccer of the of the motorsport for sure 100 (laughs) percent. yeah because you go through like uh indonesia 
Yeah. It's all motorcycles. Yeah. It's, there's so many places in the world where you don't even... It's like almost impossible to own a car. I raced uh, in Indonesia Asian Championship in 2004, three, four, I think. Uh, a tenth of thousand people came to watch the race like really uh, sea of people really really at that time crazy i race in indonesia in uh, philippines like the the crowd is crazy yeah yeah i think uh so i think last year they were supposed to go to indonesia for the world supercross yeah. but i don't think the stadium was ready apparently oh. um and then surely that i well i know this year there won't be a middle east supercross but surely when this when supercross comes to the middle east yeah. like you'd have to think that would be yeah. be pretty big do you, do you think that if they did uh like a uh i don't name a stadium like a eddie had arena yeah. or if they yeah. did a supercross in a stadium here like do you think they'd sell that out oh yeah yeah, really? yeah. because it's, it's really nice racing is really nice to watch yeah and is uh is a lot uh a lot happens you know I like the new uh, this triple crown thing. Yeah. Shorter races, a lot more can happen, yeah. you know, instead of everybody settling down to their positions. So if you create something like this close racing, I think yeah, it, maybe maybe the first year not, but you need to have patience with patience with everything. I think by next year, if the year 1 you had good racing, close racing, then for sure next year you'll have a stadium full. Yeah. Sure. Where would you do it? If it, like, let's say the World Supercross guys come to you and was like, hey, you're the dude, you're the man in the UAE for, yeah. for dirt bikes, where should we do the Supercross? Like, what, what should the plan be? I would say uh, between Abu Dhabi or Dubai. So in Abu Dhabi, we have Coca-Cola Arena, we have this uh, cricket uh, stadium. In Abu Dhabi, one of the football uh, clubs, you know, but everything has to, I think it, it, again, back to our earlier point, it has to be communicated well, PR well. You know, you can bring the top of the top and you don't do much uh, campaign behind it, nobody will come. You can bring normal riders, but you can uh, pump up the media and uh, the, the, with the banners, with a lot of uh, PR work you'll have a house full yeah so it's important how you sell it yeah to the people because people have money and time yeah you know and uh, these two key elements you want yeah you know yeah and the population here is not uh, as big as uh, some of the asian countries we mentioned but it's still we have roughly 10 million people living here and we need uh, let's say 30,000 yeah yeah, 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 like it's, it's possible. Yeah. So where would we get the dirt from, though? Where has good clay? Here we. <laughs> How far do we yeah. have to go to get the clay? <laughs> this, I, uh, I think, uh, with the, uh, what we tried uh, w with our place, we use sabha. This something you guys don't have, is a good uh, material which uh, can hold together. It's not clay, but the only problem is. Uh, it deteriorates a little bit faster than uh, clay but you if i mean if the option is to bring something from outside or you, there is no option to bring something from outside so you can use this and maybe you can put the uh, what you call it uh, 
uh, hair bell. Uh, oh, what, yeah, the, like the mulch kind of thing. Yeah, you, you yeah. mix it with that and yeah. and then it should be okay. How far would you have to go to get clay here? Uh, we do have some clay in uh, Northern Emirates. Uh, it's not much, mm, yeah, but there is some. Yeah, because yeah. I think that would be the biggest challenge yeah. for like a, a legit supercross here. But I think that what that have to do is that have to just invest like it costs money yeah. for the first year yeah but then you just have to get your clay and yeah. then once you got enough of it just store it store and, it, and yeah. probably build a, the base out of the the dirt that you're yeah. talking about but yeah. yeah i think once they do that and just put it on the calendar yeah. every year and i mean the people here are just crazy about racing like you yeah. said uh, if if you have enough clay to uh, to make uh, for two separate uh, stadiums, let's say in the future there are two rounds coming to Middle East, then yep. you always, one is ready, then the other one is moving, kind of. Yeah. Then you can store it uh, with clays. Here yeah, we have so many warehouses, you can store in, in a compound or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it, it happens at some point for sure. I yeah. thought this year it was going to happen, but I think it'll probably be next year. I hope so. Yeah, I'm so stoked for it. Because it's just to see it be like motorcycles are so global. Like I'm literally sitting here looking at all these places that yeah. you can, you know, take a motorcycle and, yeah. you know, just to to not have it represented all over the, the world. I mean, I just think we're missing out yeah. on so many fans. And it's like mm. when you, by bringing in all of those people, that's what I think can start to elevate. Because there's no question i mean i guess we all know but there's just no question that some of the athletes are just they're the some of the best athletes in the world yeah they are and uh, we need to uh, really uh, keep uh, how you say it uh, protect them yeah protect yeah. our athletes i would say if we had a good uh, again back to this point i i don't want to keep repeating it if we have a good uh, reward system people will not uh, retire so soon mm. as well so now once unfortunately once we have a good name like as soon as he started uh being well well known and like he's peaking he would retire mm. like uh, the guys would retire 26 7 you know i would say uh, how old is ronaldo I don't know, 36, Messi, 36, all those guys. 36, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's important because once you you reach this level, let's say 26, 7, you made a brand name for yourself. Yeah. Then you can ride it out. Yeah. You know, you can stay. Uh, now what the guys are doing, they're retiring and they're using some small races because they don't want to go through this and the, through the hard work that they did. Yeah. You know, they don't want to risk it anymore because they know the reward system is is not, not fair. Yeah, yeah. It's not fair. The reward system is uh, is um, uh, effort to money ratio is is yeah. really And then the, you add the risk. Yeah, you add the risk. So if you make that gap good, then the guys you will see will have a lot more guys retiring very late. Yeah. And that's what we need in the sport. Yeah. W because what happens is when uh, top riders they retire so soon, Factis has no problem. 
Yeah, there's MX2 part. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah who yeah. replace? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. But if this guy stays, they know he's a threat. Yeah. Because now he's more experienced. He's unlikely to be beaten. Yeah. So he will name his price. Yeah. You know, so this both ways. Yeah. So we'll switch gears a little bit. What was it? Yeah. What was it like when you uh, went to America to study? What did you study and like? What was that whole experience like, man? Because that would have been a trip. Yeah, but uh, this you will make my mom cry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Uh, fin- I was studying in uh, Citrus College in uh, East Glendora, LA. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, but I never finished. I did uh, because remember going from here. I had I knew zero English. Uh, so really? I had to. So yeah, you didn't know any English. No, no, when you nothing. Were zero, zero. Then uh, we did. Uh, uh, language center for six months and then at that time i was applying for toefl uh, studying and uh, every time failing 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 and then finally i i uh, passed but then i don't know with everything i get bored you yeah. know, with a lot of things and i didn't want to continue so i did from 96 to 98 and then i came back here and yeah but a lot of good memories in in america a lot of good memories being a teenager uh, with friends no parents yeah, you know? yeah. and we are very uh, family oriented uh, people here we we uh, live all all our life with our parents you know even after marriage we stay together oh really yeah so we cannot take care of them like they yeah. take care of us yeah so it's like this so to go away just boys hey you can only imagine and so how big was religion in your life at that point when you were like that 18 19 yeah i do still i would call myself at that time as well yeah religious so there was no like kind of they did it loosen when you went over there or it was like because it's a different yeah it's different time but uh you know you do the prayers five time prayers but then you being a boy as well you know Uh, yeah so you I, oh, I don't want to use the word balance because this there is no balance yeah. it should <laughs> yeah. be one way yeah. but uh, f- in my head I always uh, when it comes to prayers and God is one thing and then doing this because I believe he forgives so yeah yeah because so culturally was it a, a shock to go there and to oh, see yeah. because there's such a and I guess I know you personally and like yeah. I know the way that, that you are um, and th- there's such like you're such a value yeah. driven guy yeah. and I can imagine that California in the late 90s yeah. was probably a pretty big kind of shock to, yeah. to go and to see that that lifestyle the way other people were yeah. living and maybe yeah. the foods and all of yeah. the different kind of things that you would have been yeah. exposed to. Yeah, a big uh, culture shock and also also funny as well because uh, in the language center we had all mixed nationalities from asian indians uh, no no, indian speaks uh, they were with us in the college but i mean asian uh, south americans you know so there's a lot of funny funny stories uh, and uh, with the americans was big culture shock with the food the amount of food everything is upsized yeah and uh, yeah it's different with the family you see um, how they treat their family comparing to us 
like there are a lot of things will not fly here what yeah. how they were behaving with their parents what kind of stuff like talking back yeah yeah you don't talk back yeah you talk back you get smacked <laughs> 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 yeah so it's like uh, it's different uh, but like we respect this is how they are and i hope they respect this is how we are as well so it's, it's completely different yeah. um, i felt uh, also when i was there um, the culture is very motivation yes. motivated culture yeah you know it's like well driven want to too much pride you know american you know like this yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so this uh, i picked up a lot from there i think yeah, okay. without without picking it up yeah, you know like yeah, it just influenced influence you. Yeah. yeah yeah so this was a big part you know like 4th of july how it was how proud americans on because remember at that time our country was only 20 something years old yeah, yeah yeah i don't think a lot of people understand that the uae is only 50 years old it's uae is only eight eight years older than me <laughs> that's crazy yeah. huh yeah He's like my big brother. <laughs> it, that, yeah, I mean, I, so yeah. I was here for the national holiday. Yeah. When I was here last time, yeah. and there was all the, is it fifty years? It was. Yeah, fi- yeah. Am I right? Yeah. 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 And I was, now, yeah. I was just like, what? Like yeah. even I thought Australia was young, and yeah. it, you know we're you know just over two two hundred years yeah. years old. But I mean, th- even that in itself, like, yeah. is such a I guess like a weird thing to go through. And then yeah, you go to America, and it's just hundreds of years of, yeah. uh, of history we uh, our country was formed or got united in 71 yeah so it's really young country comparing to uh, european countries or america you know it's very very young so what was it before was each emirates so each emirate was its own, uh, like its kingdom, own identity essentially? Uh, it was an emirate. Yeah. Okay. By uh, so. It, um, so what's an emirate mean? Emirate is like a state. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it is like state, but there's a Arabic word. I, I would say yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so emirate is just an Arabic word for state, essentially. Yeah. yeah. It's like this. Yeah. And then so how did the country change when it was, I guess, like formed into a country? Oh, change a lot because uh, see, uh, I think nothing beautiful, nothing more beautiful uh, than unite, yeah, unity, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, is a driving force, yeah. you know, just to have a united before your country name is 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 a big deal. True, united huh? yeah, Arab yeah, yeah. Emirates. So yeah. all these seven Arabs got united and formed uh, a country. It just put you in a strong uh, place yeah and uh, the outcome you see yeah. now you know the these countries okay the the oil was found in Abu Dhabi in 60s but look it took some time to form this country and uh, this is uh, where I think is our power comes from mm. you know um, um, to have seven uh, head of states agreeing on who is the leader mm. and then each state has each emirate has his own uh, also ruler you know and i think it works this mm. system works for us yeah. you know really it works for us 
for us we just focus on ourselves on our studies on after that see we have a lot of uh, infrastructure a lot of hospitals a lot of uh, um, schools been built you know a lot of opportunities came out of it yeah yeah that's one thing anna got sick last week and we mm. went to one of the hospitals and we just sort of looked up what was like the best hospital that we yeah. could go to what was the name of that your headphones. <laughs> um, it was one of the. It was in Sharjah, yeah. and it was a brand new, and it's like yeah. a teaching hospital. Yeah, just insane facilities. Yeah, like I could couldn't believe like the like the level that yeah. that it was at. And you're right, like the that whole concept of like unity and going forward because it must be it it must be such like a like the original vision of Dubai when uh the first shake said like this is what it's gonna be like that's a crazy vision from sand from (laughs) you know sand and the ocean to see you know what he thought it could be and then for it to actually become like it's one of the hubs of the world now yeah yeah i um, i went uh to a place where this uh, uh, uh unity took place and I could only if uh, I said to the guys who were with me if we have a time machine to go back we go back to this time to see the conversation how it took place because today you, it's so difficult to get seven brothers uh, yeah. to agree on one thing Yeah, can you imagine a lot is on the line and then they all agreed and how they convinced each other and how they saw what we have now the vision yeah you know this is it is pretty remarkable oh yeah it is really and uh, it is uh, it's not easy you know to 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 agree on something even now if we talk if i bring other subject maybe we will disagree but to agree and to see to put uh, people's uh, to put the country and the people's benefit ahead of yours is it takes a special character to to go from that point forward you know yeah is is remarkable how um at that time it took place and it went forward and it did not fall because usually yeah. sometime after uh, yeah. unity or um, after two three years it could have yeah, fallen quite apart easily because actually the english they um they bet on that it will not last ah, they shorted the whole thing uh, yeah right? they thought it will not last a lot of people thought yeah. it will not last but it lasted and it became more stronger stronger and god bless 500 more years well thousand years and and even not that it it got not like even take away the fact that there was like no division and no fighting and no like they stayed a united yeah. uh, arab emirates but then add in the fact that the vision succeeded yeah <laughs> like what it's such an underdog story yeah. like if if you said that uh if you said that okay where there's not much here like uh, uh, it's funny like i find it really interesting talking to people that have been here 30 years 40 yeah. years to say like oh it was just this one road and yeah. the guy that was um i can't remember his name but he was uh one of the guys that was working with toby when he was driving the other day yeah and he's like man i've been coming here for 30 years 
and every every year he'd come back and there was a kilometer and a half a kilometer and a half of of this like progress he's like it's just unbelievable that they actually did it and there must have been i guess like just the the balls (laughs) of of like the original leaders to just be like we're doing it (laughs) and and you'd know that the oil had run out at some point yeah like that's the that's the other crazy thing is it's not like the oil's forever no and that it's like you've just got this unlimited supply it's like we've got this much we're risking our entire country on this thought that we can make these cities that will bring people from all over the world that's a that's a big gamble yeah i think it has to do with vision Mm. You know, once you vision it and you, you as a visionary person believes in it, people will follow, you know, and uh, to be a leader is important to be uh, a genuine one and lead your people and the nation will follow. Uh, Dubai does not have, by the way, any petrol. When it had, it has a short yeah uh amount a small amount and it vanished that's way back that's what people think though people think that it's still like this unlimited tap it wasn't like that they build the city from like the investment was there okay we have this what should we do boom build this the vision of his highness sheikh mohammed bin rashid and his father sheikh rashid uh, uh, al maktoum it took uh, some believing Mm. you know and it, this this comes with with time and and with the struggle they've been through you know everything you know when you don't have something and then you get an opportunity that to change it you appreciate mm. that much more like now my kids they ask me funny stuff uh, because they have everything this iPad phone and all easy life they think they talk to me sometimes so you used to go on a on a horse or a camel to the <laughs> i said no i'm not that old i used to go in a car but they don't understand uh, i've seen the struggle mm. but i did not live it fully like my parents did so for them uh, when they saw this opportunity of course they're gonna grab on and they're gonna invest all uh it's almost like they had nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. You, I think when you don't have something and uh, something appear and you get an opportunity to mm. to do something about it, yeah, you'll go for it because it's a life-changing moment. Mm. And uh, for us, it was that. For us, I think, is a, is a dream, is a vision, and it's, it's successful. I wish I can answer this better than I'm answering it, but uh, no, no, no. I'm finding hard wor- uh, finding words. I'm finding hard to find words yeah. to describe. Uh, once I said it, uh, uh, sometimes I feel like uh, I wish I'm not an Emirati to say good things about this country. Yeah. So it's not doesn't yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah, understand? Yeah, yeah. Is uh, we have really the best healthcare. We have the best schools. We have the best infrastructure. We have, if you have, uh, you. I, I don't think you can get bored in no. Dubai. <laughs> in UAE, you can do a lot uh, uh, with your free time. If you have free time, you, you don't need to travel. Yeah. You know, to escape. 
yeah. this is your you know you and we the the key is we kept our tradition yeah we didn't lose our identity yeah that's that's really uh, important key and what do you think that comes down to that's leadership again is uh, the upbringing yeah the family the culture yeah um like the not losing uh, the faith the islam yeah is important it's a key role uh, forming our developing our uh, islam is the key that's the foundation yeah that's the foundation and our culture is built around the 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 belief of islam mm. there's uh yeah that's funny you say like you wish you were an emirati to like say the the good things because yeah. yeah yeah i see what you're saying there but the there's no crime like yeah. there's no you know the, i was doing so much research before i moved here obviously yeah and you'd see these videos of people that would like i don't know if you've ever seen but they go to the beach and they film and they just put their roller rolex on a towel yeah and then they walk away yeah. and they're just filming and yeah. seeing that you know they're trying to say like people just don't steal things here you know there's like there's such a the i guess there is like this cultural significance around doing the right thing mm. like you can't give people the finger when you drive yeah no this is a big no dude though, yeah. i actually didn't know that <laughs> shout out to ollie for, t- <laughs> for telling me as well because i'm like i'm like getting <laughs> There's a there's a lot of immigrants here. Yeah. And if you go to Pakistan and drive yeah. or if you go to India, yeah. like we can all agree that there, yeah. there's a different style of yeah. driving. Yeah. So that style is here a little bit. And yeah. the first two weeks, I'm like, oh, like <laughs> so people are honking me yeah, and I'm yeah. just like getting so angry. And Ollie's like, bro, you can't give anyone the finger. No, Like no. you can't, there's like, there's these hard no's yeah. that you can't do. But there's... You, you might think uh, that that sounds like an uh, I don't know like a bad thing in a sense but it's yeah. like once you kind of get into that flow it's, it's very peaceful like yeah. there's there's, uh, there's lines that you don't cross yeah. and people respect those boundaries and it's safe you can leave your door unlocked you can leave a Rolex on the beach like yeah. that's and there are so many places in the world where you can't even wear a Rolex in London yeah it's like a it's you're gonna a, get stabbed there. it's a crazy sure. popular yeah. thing popular thing now yeah that you cannot wear a nice watch in london because it will get robbed and you know so there are you're right like there are some values here that they seem to have really infiltrated into society and it's not it's not just a rule it's like a it's a rule people follow because there's rules all over the world yeah but there's just people don't seem to to follow to respect the rules you know whereas here it just there is a culture around it seems like doing the right thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you all of that. The uh, the other thing that I have found myself enjoying more than I thought I would was the prayers too. Oh. I've never really been exposed. I've never come to the Middle East before I came here the first time when mm. we met, and I'd never really been exposed to to the prayers and the like. It, there's something there's something quite special about that as well like when you're in that environment and you're seeing the like the level of dedication that people have to it like it's it's quite a cool thing to be a part of it's basically leaving your busiest time to meditate Mm -hmm. this is uh, the prayers is our meditation before this thing became a hip uh, the, mm, the word uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm meditating or yeah. you know 
is uh, it is really that because no matter how stressed you are to leave whatever you're doing for that moment for that five minutes prayer takes on an average five to ten minutes max one which prayer, is what five. i would do meditating is 10 minutes roughly. yeah so we do it five times a day it just keeps you humbled and shows you nothing is worthy nothing really so whatever amount of pressure you're putting on yourself or stress you're taking uh, stressing about a lot of uh, worldly thing you for that five ten minutes you forget you give you bow down to god and you pray it just brings you calmness mm. so i think yeah there is a uh, that and uh, i would say we are very uh, um, we hold on to this mm. a lot more uh, i think most majority of the arab world and islamic world they are like this as well but this is a key key uh, factor in our culture mm. the prayers i remember there was a, a gcc soccer game in in uh, in bahrain and then a friend of mine and i think uae was playing semi finals or something and then my bahraini friend said man uh, he said you emirati you filled all our uh, mosques because he's not used to seeing this many people praying here i would say we are very mm. uh, yeah i've noticed it more here than yeah, anywhere that i've yeah, ever been he's very yeah 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 even the the other day i was uh i was at the idex mm. the in abu dhabi yeah and i was walking out of there i actually felt weird because mm. i was walking out of there and there was a, a bunch of guys that were doing roadworks yeah. and it was prayer time. Yeah, and they stopped. And I felt weird that I was walking past them during yeah. it. Like I almost felt like I should yeah. stop and, and not necessarily do the same thing, but yeah. I should at least like kind of stop what I was yeah. doing as well. But it's down to like, it's everybody, you know, yeah. everybody is, is And everybody is same at that time. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. so no matter if you are a doctor, engineer, um, yeah. Uh, road worker or uh, uh, who guy who cleans the the bin the whoever cook at that time everybody standing shoulder to shoulder and praying to one god and and that's the unity mm. so this comes also this helps because if if the religion says we are all equal and then prove it yeah yeah and yeah. then one leader comes and say hey let's unite these seven states or seven emirates together i think yeah it's it, it's appealing because you kind of grow up uh, learning from islam that unity is the key yeah no difference and then you go to mecca uh, to uh, and you see uh, white muslim asian muslims yeah. black muslims arab muslims and that's really nice to see yeah we are all united yeah and we fight over stupid things yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's that's the shame part about it is that yeah. there's so it's it's the same in any in any religion but there's yeah. just the that anytime there's like the conflict or anything it, it seems to overshadow the guy that's on the street that's yeah. stopping the work yeah. on the road at you know 
I think it must have been seven thirty or something, eight eight o'clock at night, and just mm. you know on his knees doing his yeah. thing. It's like I feel like that's the that should be the the focus, you know. And yeah. it's funny, like we the first time we were hanging out here, we were having the conversation about like meditation, and I'd never looked at the prayer the prayer five times in that sense of meditation and you know mm. you explain it to me in that way I was like man it just makes so much sense because mm. what I'm trying to do when I take my 10 minutes to like this morning I woke up a little bit earlier than I than my alarm and I had had time and I that's just the first thing that I did I was like oh mm. I've got a little bit of extra time and and it's all I woke up in my head in my thoughts thinking about this I actually had a bad dream that this went mm. really bad <laughs> and I, I woke up but I was like that that was the thing that I had in my mind was racing it calmed me down you know like that yeah. was the first kind of thing and it, it's all about about ego and, yeah and yeah I guess the I'd never really looked at prayer in any sense not not just the in the like the islam sense of just yeah. like giving up your ego giving up whatever important thing that you're doing through the day to you know to take that time and then you come out of it in just such a different way yeah you come you come out of it you it lasts that's why we have five yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it and lasts for last, some time yeah. until your ego catch up back yeah, to you yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah, like again yeah, a reminder yeah. yeah but it's good to like face what you're doing on daily basis it just put you on the right frame of mind yeah. you know so yeah. it is like this for me during the races is uh, it helps me because I get so nervous especially like I said from 18 till now my confidence not there it helped me a lot they praying uh, this five times and it just take because as, as a rider you are uh, in a bubble kind of you are in your own world yes you know so for me it allows me to leave that bubble and yeah nothing is that uh, nothing is worth my stress you know like it little bit it shows me that it is a game you yeah. know yeah and it is okay you know it's okay to fail it's okay to not be your 100 percent yeah. you know yeah it's okay if you're not what you used to be but as long as you are here today you're showing up and that what matters you know like this so mm. it takes me out of that bubble and and yeah it helped it, 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 it helps a lot for that matter when you're so like let's say let's replace the word prayer with meditation yeah. right so for like in the western yes. sense right okay so when you're in the when you're doing your prayer five times a day do you there's like a the classical feeling that's associated with meditating of like you're not thinking anymore you're like super present in the moment do you have like that zone that you get into that maybe like a western person would want to get into with meditation do you get into that in prayer in that same sense i don't know if i'm articulating the question yeah right. i understand your question i think so in arabic that, that yeah sorta. in arabic we have a saying says uh, there is a difference between prayers and habits mm. so uh, so there are some guys they just pray because it's a habit because yeah. this is how they grew up yeah and he's never in the moment yeah and then there is ibadah which is really you are caught up in this action and you're praying and you're being right there and that's you get the benefit more of yeah. course so i i try as much as possible to be in that moment and you we recite quran and try to focus on what i'm saying and really 
because what we are all struggling is being finding that moment to live that moment and this is really i find it only two places when i pray or when i ride mm-hmm. i'm living that yeah. moment yeah for me this otherwise like now when you talk i'm listening to you but my brain is doing other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking about other things thinking about the, the answer conversation, the com- it's yeah it's a lot of noise happening in my head yeah but when i'm riding majority of the time i'm busy and occupied with what i'm doing you know like need to be focused otherwise i'll land uh, you'll, you'll be thinking about what you're gonna say at the podium yeah, when you beat toby yeah, <laughs> yeah. so and when i pray yeah so we all seek that living in the moment yeah and something about that yeah. because we are so occupied either about our past or what's coming uh, in the future and usually when you think about the future there's a lot of anxiety and and um, stress and pressure because you want to achieve a lot of things you know like mm-hmm. you only think about future about what's happening uh, how I'm gonna achieve this how I'm gonna move to Dubai from Australia how yeah. I'm gonna pay the bills yeah. and with that comes the stress so you're causing harm to your health so being in the moment this is the best thing and is the most difficult thing to do to be in this moment not not to not to blame and uh, kick yourself in the behind for things for you thing- didn't do in the past yes yeah. and not to stress yeah what's coming but as a human nature we is very difficult not to do yeah. not to be caught in either so these the prayer is therefore to be in that moment and and be appreciative and be thankful for this life and be uh, appreciative of what you've been given you know and uh, and for me is riding as well same when i ride is i i cannot be in that moment yeah and so when you as someone that's spent so much time in prayer yeah how do you like are you able to just get into that moment like have you have you nailed it like yeah i i I find i found the for me i have a one way uh i try i have a routine i do and i try to catch myself i try to focus on that moment now it's difficult to explain for the people who hasn't prayed uh, but uh, i focus on my bowing a lot more and it's i'm interested part of, so go in yeah, as much detail so for as me, you want yeah when it is standing where to look to look we you need to look where you're gonna bow down so for me i try to focus on that one spot and not move my like not wander with my eyes you know like focus on that when we bow down on our knees uh, on like uh, halfway and i try for me i try to stretch you know try to be on the right posture as possible and i try to hold it and then when we bow down you need to have your forehead your hands your knees and your toes like so not uh, not your nails mm. hitting the ground no your your toes the bottom of your toes all the way your ball of the feet kind of yeah hitting and that i believe it 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 fixes also your kind of posture as well 
to to be in almost that like position. a yoga pose kind yeah, of yeah and then you come back to like where you have your 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 feet under you where you're sitting on them and that also stretches your your um, how you what you call this muscle uh, like your hips not like the hips um, quad uh, the, yeah, yeah the yeah, quadriceps yeah, yeah. and you sit in that moment for brief time and then you go back to bowing down with your forehead and then back to stretch to sit so it's like this so if you focus on the action of what you're doing and being at that moment instead of thinking oh i didn't pay the water bills or i didn't pay this or i didn't get my sponsorship money i need to call then you are not being in that moment you know and you recite quran and you re- you thank god when you bow and you you also you can ask you know i ask i have a lot of requests requests <laughs> i have a lot of requests all the time yeah. and yeah he said uh, you ask and i shall give yeah yeah no i thought uh, i guess but it was actually before we met like the first time we we had like a pretty good conversation about this when we yeah. when i first met i would have thought that i would have had nothing to learn from religion yeah. you know like I, I i feel like i'd kind of put that yeah. to bed <laughs> like yeah. i didn't there was nothing more for me to learn and, I, and for me whether like I, I think i may have even said it to you but whether there's something after life whether there's and i think to me like i'm not sure i'm i'm worried about that mm. in that sense i think i find it's so difficult <laughs> to, to, to live this life yeah. but that all that aside after we spoke i could definitely see that oh there actually is quite a lot to learn um that i can you know that can help with life in generally in that and i just i guess i'd never i'd never looked at prayer in that in that sense in terms of a meditation sense yeah and yeah meditation is a big part of my life yeah and so to to hear that it, it just completely changed my perspective on on the goal and of like the reason that you guys practice yeah. the way that the way that you practice you know yeah because the the biggest uh, like we say the disease or uh, or harmful for your body is stress and the stress yeah so ego ego and stress so ego you it goes away because you know you are in front of something much greater than you are no matter what you achieve no matter what you've accomplished you are nothing mm. you know you are maybe the guy who hasn't achieved much in life he's better in his eyes than you've achieved so much mm-hmm. maybe he's done something far more worthy in god's eyes then you've uh, done mm. where he hasn't achieved nothing in life but he's that much more closer to him than i am mm. so in that moment you need to put your ego outside of the mosque uh, outside of your start of the prayer so this is important i would say always uh, being humble i think uh, because no matter what you've done you cannot be bigger than life mm, you know mm. you need to be humble always and this helps you to be humble yeah yeah so this is a key uh, and i think the biggest disaster anybody can face when they are not humble when they are 
uh, ego driven and uh, they are they think they the world owes them everything and and they uh, and they are greater than life you will see this guy will have a lot more problems mm. or starting to have a lot more problems you see all the successful guys in life they are humble mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i completely agree and i think yeah for when you when you say that like you're not bigger than uh that if you call it god or yeah. or whatever a person calls it and i think that that's probably like my realization is that the ego is within something mm. the ego like i'm not uh yeah i'm not bigger than whatever i'm within and it's whether it's just like even the fact that you're alive and having an experience mm. you know like you that's the thing that I think I try and be thankful for. Yeah. It's just the fact of experiencing. Like I'm alive and I'm having it. I know that I'm here having an experience. That to me is like the, I guess, the thing that I hold in the, the highest regard is that like I'm actually here and I'm getting to have this experience and then everything else falls within that, including my ego. My ego is like the center of that. But I'm so much, if you stop and you remove the ego and if you take the time with for me it's like meditation but yeah. you'll see that the ego is just within this kind of infinite thing yeah. you know, like there's no boundary to like you can look through a telescope and see forever like that yeah. that exists within you yeah. in, in a sense you know yeah. so it's like to stop and and see that every single day like you said that's the thing that kind of keeps you humble and i and i think that yeah that's one of the reasons i talk about I guess meditation so much or taking that time and trying to learn that process is because I feel like my life's gotten a lot better from seeing that and I think that if you see that then you can't and if you see it every day you can't help to have a certain level of humility around that 100% yes well this has been an amazing podcast I appreciate it and uh, I appreciate the help that you've given me so far being here so this will be the first podcast that goes out from uh from the the new spot in uh in the uae i definitely think we'll do it again at some point and uh yeah i hope you've enjoyed it i did thank you really um for me i was uh, not ready to talk um because really i i i like what you do you put our sport on a great light um it's amazing this is what we need more of you know so when you asked me, I was like, yeah, man, I haven't achieved. That's why I said I don't feel like I'm worthy of this interview. There are much uh, greater athletes uh, to be sitting here. But I'm very humbled and honored to to have this time with you, to have this chat with you. And uh, hopefully we ride soon as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't, I don't see you as an athlete, though. Like you have in this chat is just a really good dude yeah. that I've met along the cool. way. So, but um, what's next? I guess so. You've got the the world rally stuff coming up. Yeah. So that's the next kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. We go to Qatar and then to Spain in uh, April. Yeah, and then just on the grindstone, you've yeah. you've got more plans with MX ride. Oh, you know one thing we mm. haven't spoke about. When are you getting those Sand World Championship race at MX Right? What's the deal? Wait, this we are trying. Um, there was a lot of uh, negotiation with the FIM, and then our uh, FIM representative here 
EMSO and then it kind of fell apart. Then they started now, they started already the series. Now I've been asked to form a, com- a committee. Yeah. And then with this committee, we apply for, to get the round because the interest was always from the, the promoters of this uh, r- uh, Sand World Cup yeah. series. So yeah, uh, we are trying hopefully by next year. I don't want to say it because yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. hopefully we we trying to get it. Yes. Yeah. What's the process like? Is there anything I can yeah, help I with need, to do that? I or? need to I need to now form a I need to be out of it. I need to form a committee, uh, hand over the names to our federation, and then all the uh, negotiation should be through our federation with the FIM. Uh, and the promoter of the uh, Sand World Cup series. Yeah. I think this, to to have these kind of races is uh, for our region. Uh, and now I'm speaking to you as bringing up riders uh, from the region is far more uh, greater than having a Supercross here. Supercross is good for the sport. Uh, Sand Cross Baja races is good for the guys who's uh, from coming. Here. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. their story will be more closer to mine. Yeah. So they will be good in the sand, you know. So. Yeah, there's some phenomenal riders here. Yeah. So I th- I would say to have something like this is is important. I don't think that you can have a sand world championship yeah. without being at MX Pride Dubai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that exactly. is the sand yeah. right there. And you've had Endless. Hurlings yeah. has been there. You've had all of the Dakar guys. Yes. Doherty. I yeah. mean, like uh, there's some Sam Sunderland. Yeah, Sam Sunderland. Like there's some amazing guys here yeah. and it is a crazy racetrack. So whatever I can do to help that race come here <laughs> and if it is here, I'll be doing my thing uh, to try and help with that because uh that's one thing that i'm excited for being here hopefully i can bring a little bit more awareness to to the place that you've got out there because it's just it's something else like (laughs) i've been a lot of places that's something else thank you my brother thank you for this (laughs) appreciate it brother (laughs) like